This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. Give me a name. Like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, opening day. We don't usually do a show on opening day. This is rare. These people are getting a treat here. Interrupting our well, we don't have day. To, we, we don't have to tell them that we're doing this show in the window where there's no game. They don't need to know Kayfabe. that. <laughs> Just like you, the valiant hero that you were last night. Because you were so inspired by AEW Dynamite doing your Thursday tier review that night, immediately after Dynamite. Uh, and I did see one person say, hey, did you just do that last night so you could watch baseball all day? And you were like, no, absolutely not at all what the plan was whatsoever. So uh, you're right. No, yeah, we are pulling ourselves away from all the great baseball games that are on right now as we speak. So um. <laughs> fortunately, yeah. though, uh, for your your uh, your Reds, I think uh, we're we're on the wrong track to uh, the 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 1919 World Series rematch that we were all hoping for. But uh, hey, tomorrow's another day, or Friday, or I don't know what day are they playing again? Are they doing the thing where they take off the next day? Everybody takes off the next day. Yeah, in case of a rainout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. sucks. You know, isn't that just the worst? Because you're like, yeah, baseball. <laughs> like the next day, like you're still kind of on, on that high from opening day, and then you're ready to go for the next day, and there's just fucking nothing. Just nothing on. Well, at least you'll get, well, you'll get two games from the rainouts today. Or, well, one was a COVID out, so yeah. maybe not that one, but. Uh... Tomorrow there's no day games, which is just so weird and stupid. I mean, we talk about this every year. Opening day, every team, every team should play, and they should all be a day game. That's what opening day should be. Um, you know, the next day too, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, Get us through the weekend, at least get you through the weekend and then go to the normal schedule. But yeah, let's, and let's go back to normal schedule. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, let's at least get through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at least with some fun games. Take can a Saturday we at least off. Get yeah. every, can we take baby steps and at least get every team playing on opening day? <laughs> that would be good. Yes. What is this thing where some teams start the next day? It just... It wasn't ever like that until, what, about 10, 15 years ago, Just I guess. about, yeah, yeah. Because I remember growing up, it was just like, boom, everybody went, everybody started. Then, yeah, something got weird. And then, obviously, like five, six years ago, we've had the same discussion on every single flagship that we've done ever. Uh, a few years ago, they started doing the weird stuff where, like, they'll go to Japan and they'll play a game on, like, you know, March 24th. And that's, you know, counts as, as a game or whatever. And it's just like, come on. It's, it's so silly. And then they come back. And then some teams are still in spring training. But these teams are already 1-0 and or 2-1 and or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's kind of just everybody starts on opening day. Everybody does a day game. Everybody does day games for two, three days. And then we can go to our normal schedule after that. So. Yeah. But, uh, no, I had two tweets drafted last night. One said... Man, that dynamite was so good. I'm not waiting till tomorrow. Thursday TV reviews right now. And the other one said, "Man, that dynamite was so bad. 
I'm not waiting for tomorrow. Thursday TV reviews right now. <laughs> but a couple of savvy listeners called me out and they uh they they uh broke the kayfabe so um you know either way the show was happening last night i wasn't doing a show today during during all these games especially the reds game which they lost that's fine listen you know how it is rich everybody wins 60 everybody loses 60 <laughs> and the other and the other 42 determine your season that's what you do that's in the really other 42 yeah yeah that's an old uh Hawk Harrelson would say that after every opening day when the White Sox would lose. <laughs> he would definitely. Yeah. He would, that's an old adage. That's an old uh, old manager, old baseball adage for sure. And that's not, I mean, it's not wrong. It, it's definitely right. I mean, count up the teams in history who have lost less than 60 games or won less than 60 games. And it's not that many. So it's, it's an adage that's absolutely true. Um, you know, 42 games. really comes down to 42 games your season. But uh, no game right now, and that's why we're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And so. uh, it might be an abbreviated episode of uh, The Voice Wrestling Flagship, because while Joe was able to watch his team uh, a little bit earlier, my team starts at uh, 9 p.m. Central. So uh, we'll try to get things done at least uh, before that. We'll see. I mean, this is not really a, a huge, huge week. Uh, and trust me, you're going to get a lot of content uh, from, from the both of us over the next few days, the next week or so. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we go with this show. But yeah, we'll probably be a little, we'll be under three hours this week for sure as we try to get out of here in time. Uh, so I can watch my White Sox uh, start their season and, and, and start the climb again to the 1919 uh, World Series rematch, which I, I think I think we're ready for. I think the world is ready for the, the White Sox to put the Black Sox scandal behind them finally <laughs> once and for all and, and make it happen against the Reds here. But uh, let's get right into the wrestling stuff, though. Uh, we're going to start out first with the news of NXT officially moving to Tuesdays. We had alluded to this many, many, many weeks ago. Uh, credit to the Matt Men podcast on F4WOnline.com. Those guys had them, like, right out of the gates. They had it, like, a month and a half ago, and a lot of people were like, ah, who the hell are these guys, whatever. They stuck with it. They stayed by it and said, no, we we promise this is true. We're telling you it's happening. And, and little by little, some, you know, wrinklings would kind of, you know, some little news would come out here and there. And finally, it became official earlier this week. Uh, here's the, the, the release, at least from uh, WWE. It says, beginning April 13th, NXT on USA will be airing in its usual time slot, but now it will be airing on Tuesdays. The move was confirmed by WWE and is part of the company's new multi-year extension with the USA uh, Network. Uh, NXT founder and senior producer Paul Triple H Levesque. Uh, commented on the night switch and stated that the move provides an opportunity for the brand to grow. He says, quote, we are thrilled to continue Dota B and NBC Universal's longstanding partnership with the extension of NXT on the USA Network. The move to Tuesdays provides a new opportunity for us to grow the NXT brand and enables our partner, USA Network, to continue to build a strong portfolio of sports and entertainment programming. So, uh, NXT? Going to Tuesdays. Uh, first off, we thought it was because of the NHL. Uh, that I think is still probably uh, an issue as well with the NHL. Uh, you know, it was, you know, MC Sports Network moving away. The NHL having properties going to USA. Obviously, that isn't as big of a deal after this year because you know the NHL has got their new contract. They won't be. I, I think is that correct? They will not be on USA after this year, right? Because that deal with ESPN comes the following season. Am I right or am I mixed up there? Or two seasons from now? I don't know when the ESPN deal kicks in off the top of my head. And I don't think it's I don't think they've actually finished their deals yet. I think there's still some games and some some things out there for the NHL. But either way, that was the first sort of thing that we saw is like, oh well that's weird. Well, where are these NHL games gonna go? And NHL has, you know, big time games on Wednesdays, and here's NXT sitting there on, on, on Wednesdays. But uh no real we, we don't know exactly the reason why, but all we do know is April thirteenth, uh NXT moving to Tuesday. So the Wednesday night war 
as short as it was, uh, is officially over. So, Joe, what do you make of the news of NXT moving on to Tuesdays? I mean, it's obviously better for everyone. You know, um, th- what I'm interested in is which show will benefit more. I, I don't think either show is just going to start putting up a million viewers a week. If people think that, I think they're they're off base. And I'm not quite sure which show it'll help more because there is some evidence that tells us that your typical AEW viewer isn't interested in NXT. And then there's some other evidence the other way around that your typical NXT viewer isn't interested in Dynamite. Um, but then you look at this week's ratings where Dynamite's drop in the 18 to 49 correlated almost to the number to NXT's rise in the 18 to 49 with this one week sample, which of course, you know, looking at one week sample samples can be dangerous. Um, and it was, you know, the go home show for takeover and, um, and also it could have just been happenstance who knows. Cause again, it's very dangerous looking at one week samples, but so this week would indicate that maybe there is a little bit of crossover and maybe viewers do choose based on what they think is going to be the better show. I don't know. I mean, I'm just going strictly with my gut and nothing else. I'm not using any evidence. So basically, this is a meaningless opinion. My gut is telling me that NXT is going to benefit from this more than AEW. And I don't know why my gut is telling me that. Uh, but I, I don't think Dynamite's going to see some gigantic boost with NXT out of the picture, especially since Revolution Dynamite's kind of been struggling Uh you know, up and down, but mostly down since Revolution. So I don't know. What's your feel on it? Do you think either show is going to get a massive gain out of this? Do you think it's going to be much of the same? I mean, what do you think? I I actually have kind of a, a similar thought to you, and the reason why I have this, and I, and I thought about this a little bit earlier, and I don't, again, like this is completely unfounded. I have no idea. We'll find out, you know, in a few weeks' time, uh, what's reflected in here. But to me, it it it, it I think NXT does benefit more. By moving to Tuesdays, because in, and and again, I no real basis in reality or fact or whatever for this, just kind of a a thing I'm throwing out or just kind of a thought that I have is to me if if your 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 average AEW fan, your 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 average AEW revel, you know you know every single week Dynamite fan, your AEW person that watches pay per views and does all that sort of stuff, to me those people strike me as more wrestling fan, that will watch a lot of different stuff. Your typical AEW fan strikes me as somebody who's probably going to watch WrestleMania next weekend. Uh is probably going to check out uh you know the Friday NXT or, or you know the Thursday NXT Stand and Deliver show. Is going to check out some WrestleMania weekend stuff. Is going to check out other stuff. So to me like that fan might say, "Oh, you know what? Hey, my Tuesdays are opened up now or hey, you know, I I don't have to worry about flipping between AEW and NXT. I will watch NXT on Tuesdays." I, again, I don't know if that's actually true, but it seems to me, or at least my guess would be that those fans are a little bit more apt to move on to the other show, watch some other shows, watch some other wrestling, do all that sort of stuff. Whereas to me, your typical, your 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 dyed in the wool NXT fans, I don't think now go, oh cool, I can watch Dynamite or oh cool, I can watch this. I think that their NXT, their WWE, their SmackDown, they 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 got everything that they need. They're raw, they're SmackDown, they're NXT, they're that like you're you're dyed in the wool. I'm watching NXT over AEW fans. Those people are 100% just going to stick with NXT. I, I I don't see them thinking, oh, great, my Wednesdays are open now. Now I'll watch AEW. I just, I don't see that. And and, and again, I don't have any real basis for that. But but what do you think about that? Where AEW fans are probably more of your kind of well-rounded wrestling fans where your NXT died in the wool, you know, hardcores are just watching WWE programming every single week. Would it stun you 
if Dynamite, you know, starting next week, started doing 950,000 viewers and a point four in the demo every week and, and, and did see a tangible gain simply by NXT moving, or vice versa, either show just showing, you know, a measurable, tangible gain from being away from the other. Would it stun you, though? Uh, it wouldn't stun me, I think, on the NXT side. I think it would surprise me a little bit on, uh, on the AEW side. If, like, consistently now it's all, uh, you know, 900,000, 950, whatever, that, that, and, and the point four in the demo, like you said, that would that would surprise me for AEW to get that. For NXT, I really wouldn't be that surprised because we can look at some of those shows. And, yeah, they're a little bit different. They're a little unique. But there were times where NXT moved to Tuesdays. There was times where NXT ran unopposed. And those numbers did very well. So I think that kind of speaks to the point that you and I are bringing up is that it does seem that like uh, not all of your AEW fans, but a, a, a good number of your AEW fans, the people that watch Dynamite maybe primarily are willing to watch NXT, are willing to kind of flip over, are willing to kind of check it out. And I don't know, we don't really have any basis yet for those AEW, you know, those NXT fans to move on to AEW or your normal WWE fans to say, oh, great, you know, Wednesdays are, you know, nothing else is on Wednesdays now. Yeah, I'll watch AEW. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm. It it wouldn't stun me on the NXT side, but it, I think it would stun me if consistently AEW starts getting those numbers on 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 Wednesdays. I don't know. Just there's just no reason to believe it, and I guess there's no reason to believe the NXT number rising either. It's just kind of us <laughs> grasping at straws here. I think WWE finds a way to put something else on Wednesdays in some capacity. I do think that. Happens. Oh, I think that NXT evolved thing, and we talked about that weeks and weeks and weeks ago when that thing was announced, and we we had some rumblings that that NXT might be moving to Tuesdays. I think that NXT evolve or, or something is going on Wednesdays on on Peacock for sure. They're not going to yeah. let that day sit out there wide open for them. They're they're just not. No, somehow, some way, they're going to want to continue chipping away. Um. At Dynamite's number. Yeah, and you, you don't know. know this company if you yeah. think that we're, we're, we're making that up or that's not going to be true. I mean, <laughs> I hate to I hate to do no, victory I, laughs for things that have been right, but I mean, if you've listened to the show over the last 10 years, pretty much any competitive thing that WWE does, we can predict a mile away, whether it's hiring Jim Ross to get him away from World of Sport, whether it's doing this to New Japan or doing this. I mean, it doesn't matter how, how if you are a threat in any way whatsoever, they're going to find a way to counter-program you and take you down, no matter what. That's, that is their, so if you think that they're just going to sit idly and say, ah, you know what let those guys have wednesday we're worried about tuesdays now you're out of your fucking mind there's no way no chance in hell something's got to be coming but um but this is better for everybody you know it was uh it was you know i i, I don't I, I don't know what the right word is i don't know if i want to call it i know petty's not the right word childish isn't the right word i don't even think predatory is the right word but you know intentionally going head to head. I mean, we all knew it was coming. AEW knew it was coming. Um, you know, it was fun for a while for wrestling fans, I guess, but in the big picture, it, it was probably not good for either side to have them going head to head like that. It ended up being very good for raw and nitro 25 years ago, uh, to go head to head with each other. But then again, I guess two and a half decades on, was it? I mean, that seems to be the perception now. Do you, I mean, did that help spark? Uh, you know that hot era in wrestling—the fact that they were going head to head. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that I guess could have happened if Nitro was on Tuesdays. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess the one thing that I think most people that were involved in it at the time would just say that that it just got the competitive juices flowing, where where both sides were, you know, deciding yeah. or figuring out, okay, we need to compete, we need to compete, we need to compete, and 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 and. and 
and as such, you know, changing, you know, the entire style of the companies both times over. WCW changing their style, and then WWF obviously a few a year or two later decided that they're going to go in a completely different style. And I don't know I, whether like people don't have those competitive juices anymore. Whether there's just the landscape is differently. I, we just we didn't see it here, and we we didn't see it again. I mean, this isn't the first time we've done this and and, and went through this before. I mean, people that that have been fans for a while remember the you know the TNA moving to Mondays and competing with Raw, and how very quickly it was just like, oh, never mind, this this is stupid, this isn't gonna work, and and you know it's. Like you're saying, the, the the very idea of just going head to head isn't enough. That going head to head doesn't just make both guys go up. That 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 doesn't work. What works is getting more competitive, getting you know, getting the juices flowing, getting you know, very you know, really worrying about you know what you're doing every single week. You know, making sure it matters, doing all that sort of stuff. But again, we're talking about a frame of reference from 25, 30 years ago. I does that still apply anymore? I don't know. And I think I think the WWE side in the early days. I think they were doing some competitive things. They brought Finn Balor over. They brought Charlotte over. Oh no doubt. They were doing those. They were doing those overruns to try to you know you know eke out and and, re, and you know artificially raise the average by uh, sticking an eight or nine or ten minute overrun on their main events. But they kind of just after a while gave up. Right, and that's that's kind of what WWE does these days is they get very competitive about something and very you know focused on something for a few different we- uh, a few weeks or whatever and then they just kind of give up and it's just kind of business as usual and I think again that that's what I'm kind of trying to get at there is is what what made Nitro and what made Ross so special all those years ago is Nitro saying you know what fuck it yeah we're going to do you know we're going to turn Hulk Hogan here we're going to do the NWO we're going to do this we're going to do that and they did a bunch of stuff that had never been seen on TV wrestling ever before and 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 sparked their growth in that way of complete and and whether that was because they were on Mondays, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe they wouldn't have been as competitive or they wouldn't have thought and, and taken as many risks as they weren't on Mondays. But it took that it took sort of saying, hey, fuck it. No, we're going to change the game. We're going to do a bunch of different stuff. And then likewise, you know, two years later, WF, they're getting their ass kicked and go, OK, fuck this. We're, we're, we're going to do the attitude error. We're going to go fully in this direction. And yeah, you could say that that could have happened if they were on Wednesdays or whatever, but it, it, it needed that head to head to kind of get those juices flowing. And and I guess I, we kind of had that for a little bit, but then you're, you're right. Every both shows felt like they just kind of went and did, you, you know, they just kind of turned into whatever they were going to be. And and, and I don't think, you know, we know that AEW, we, we have evidence of that. And you've talked about it in the TV reviews as well of AEW kind of being very smart about, w- you know, what goes on and what. You know, time slot and who goes in and, and, you know, who starts off the show and who comes in at this slot, and who comes in at this slot and that and that stuff. NXT, for the large part, is just kind of just done their normal show. They don't really seem like they care all that much. They, they, they seem like they are just fine existing on that Wednesday night. And whatever amount that they take away from from, you know, AEW is fine. They just want to take something away from them as opposed to really kind of compete on, on any level. Because, you know, you've talked about on your Thursday tier reviews as well, like Timothy Thatcher in these big-time spots, and he, he'd fucking blow the ratings every single time. He'd just absolutely destroy, crater the ratings, and, and they didn't seem to really notice or care. So, uh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, annoying is probably the word I would use for, for what this Wednesday quote-unquote war became uh, after a little bit. It just became sort of tiresome every single week, just waiting for the ratings and reacting to them in the same way. And it, it wasn't even a war anymore. I mean, it was, it was over for a long time. So there's one more week of it next Wednesday. And when is the takeover? The takeover is on... Takeover is Wednesday and then Thursday. The the night one is Wednesday and the night two is Thursday. So what's going on? What are they airing on USA next Wednesday? Uh, takeover Stand and Deliver 1, I believe. Right? Oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, so, so night one of Stand and Deliver is going to be... Is a TV special. Uh, yeah, exactly, right, right. And then night two is, I guess, presumably on Peacock. Correct. 
I think. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they've done so, a good job of telling us that, but I think that's um, I think that's true. Yes. So they have a, they have a good chance. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna do well next week. They they, I mean, they closed the gap somewhat this week. I mean, by the standards of what it's been. Um, I mean, there's an outside chance they could win in the demo next week. They could easily win in total viewers because they're usually pretty close in total viewers anyway, relatively close. But it's the demo where they get crushed. There's an outside chance they can catch them in the demo if people are into you know what they're uh, airing on Wednesday next week for the first half of this takeover. Um, but then that'll be it. Then they move to Tuesday. And, of course, that had ripple effects because Impact is then moving to Thursday. Impact is done on Tuesdays. They're, they're airing on Thursday next week. And what's interesting about that is Kenny Omega is wrestling on that show because, obviously, they wanted to load that up to get people to make, to get, to make sure people watch on Thursday and understand that they're changing their day and all of that. But it's also going head-to-head with the second night of the takeover yes. on Peacock. So that's going to be a very interesting number for Impact because they've got Kenny Omega wrestling, which is rare, and in theory should help them do a very big number, but they're going head-to-head with a takeover, but the takeover's on Peacock, and we don't really know how many of the old WWE Network subscribers are even on Peacock, and we're probably never going to know. So this is next Thursday is fascinating. Yes. To me. Yeah. It's actually more than I think out. a lot of people are giving it credit for. It's a very, very interesting night. This next week is, 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 is fascinating on many levels. Yeah. The Wednesday, uh, you know, the last night of the war or whatever, uh, with a takeover up, like a, 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 not even just like a, Hey, this is a big show, like branded as a takeover built as a takeover, yeah. putting it on Wednesday. I mean, that, that absolutely no doubt in my mind. I think that they're going to beat, uh, NXT or uh, AEW next week, but then, like you're saying, then that Thursday is a really interesting one too, where where Impact up against a lot of other wrestling. I mean, that is the the de facto kind of first night of the WrestleMania weekend as well, and there's a lot of stuff going on on that night uh, as well. And and I guess we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more next week. Interest level, I, I don't know if we could say you know for sure the interest level uh, of WrestleMania weekend uh, you know this time, but there is still stuff. I mean, I think a blood sport is going on that day. There's a bunch of other stuff going on that day. Plus Impact bringing their goods with Kenny Omega, plus NXT bringing the second night of Takeover. So yeah, it it, it weirdly became over the last few uh, over the last week or so a super super interesting week and weekend really uh, for, for wrestling and wrestling on TV and, and and competitiveness and and all that sort of stuff. And and really, I don't think a lot of people are giving it enough credit, especially the Impact side. You know, loading it up with a Kenny Omega on the next night. They're doing they're they're putting their best foot forward, debuting on 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 the new night. And, and, you know, it's Kenny Omega and the good brothers versus rich Swan, Eddie Edwards. And I think Willie Mack, um, you know, it's, they're doing what they can, but it's really a super, super tough night. And, um, and, and, and honestly, the, the interest in the crossover stuff, the last three weeks has been waning. So it was time to get Kenny Omega back in the ring and do something with him other than a 32nd pre-tape interview or backstage attack because people had gotten used to that pattern. They were like, all right, we see that nothing super important is ever going to happen with this guy. He's just going to make his little cameo appearance if that, and it's not essential and we don't have to watch it. And that has really begun to tail off uh, the effect of the AEW crossover stuff. So this will kickstart the build 
to Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan on pay-per-view. And it'll be interesting to see if Impact can get some momentum back now that, in theory, Kenny Omega will be more featured on the show moving forward because they have to build towards the pay-per-view match. And I think the pay-per-view will do very well. Um, you only get one chance to do it for the first time, and they already did Kenny Omega on pay-per-view in the six-man tag, and it did very well by Impact standards. So it worked, and he did draw. But now this is Kenny Omega in a world title match that I think everyone pretty much agrees he's going to win. So I think there's going to be some interest there in seeing Kenny Omega win another company's title Mm -hmm. as he starts this sort of belt collector gimmick. You know, then he'll come out on Dynamite with the AAA world title and the Impact world title and and the uh, obviously the AEW world title. Maybe even both of those Impact, the Impact title and the TNA title. I don't I don't know if they've merged those officially or if you know for the gimmick though. Why not have Omega come out with all of them? Oh, absolutely, I mean, yeah, you know. yeah. Even if they have merged them, you know, hopefully they're carrying around both those and they tell Kenny, hey, when you win, yeah. it carry around both of these. So he's got you know seven belts that he's got to carry. Don has to carry two of them. You know, it's, it's stuff like that would be perfect. Yeah, so I think the pay-per-view versus Swan will do well. Um, you know, the, the, the rating next week, who knows? I feel bad for them because they're really in a tough spot there. But then moving forward, it's interesting to see, okay, you're on Thursdays. You've got the night to yourself. You're ramping up. You're going to – this Kenny Omega-Rich Swan match. Presumably Omega will be on TV a lot uh, coming out of whatever happens in the tag. You see how Impact does, and you see if, the, if this crossover stuff with Omega – can spark some interest again. I talk about it behind the paywall all the time, but I don't know if a lot of people are aware. Brandon Thurston on Twitter, he tweets, you know, you, you got to follow him. It's essential if you're into this rating stuff. And he tweets it out every week. But Impact is the only show out of the five shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, Impact. It's the only one of the five that's been up in January, February, and March, year over year versus the year before in 18 to 49. And that's a direct result. There's a direct correlation to Kenny Omega and the crossover stuff. But as we've gotten towards the end of March, it started to wane. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Can they get people excited about that again? Because through December, when Omega debuted, through the rest of December, and from January through, you know, mid-March, it legitimately helped bump impact particularly in 18 to 49, which, you know, obviously is what matters most. So uh, there was some juice there, you know, and bringing in Finn Juice, no pun intended, that week did very well. So people are into the crossover stuff. They like when wrestlers from other companies come into, and why wouldn't they? That shit's exciting. You know, that shit's fun. That's what makes wrestling fun. So there's obviously interest in that crossover stuff, but when you do, you know, it, it started to lose some juice. So I want to see if they can kind of regain that lightning in a bottle as we build towards Omega and Rich Swan. So, and I always, you know, I, to- I always think actually getting in the ring and actually wrestling and knowing that you're going to get because that's one of the things that that I think you know we knew that from the debut you know episode of Kenny Omega the the first time he, he bumped up on Impact or whatnot is 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 just merely having Kenny Omega talk for thirty seconds or appear that that's not I mean it's 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 good like it gets people at least somewhat interested but it's not sustainable what's really going to make it work is, is is getting in the ring there and mixing it up so I I do really think that yeah if, if with the proper build if they mention it on Dynamite if Impact really hits it as I'm sure they will and I, I you could kind of see. They're already doing it. I, I I think that they 
uh, definitely stand to, to to raise up a little bit. But I mean, that's they're up against a very tough night with this takeover too. I mean, that's Cole O'Reilly, it's Gargano versus the, the you know the Gauntlet Eliminator, uh, it's Balor versus Cross. I mean, that that's a big big night. I mean, arguably bigger night than night one. And and it's kind of interesting. I I would assume that NXT would 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 you know really put as much as they could on that night one to kind of compete with with uh, AEW. And night one's got some really good matches. It's got Walter and Ciampa. It's got Dunn and Kushida. It's got Shirai and Gonzalez or whatever. But, I mean, the, the big money match there is Cole and O'Reilly and then Balor and Cross are, are, are both two you know pretty important matches. So I'm, I'm very surprised to see those both on night two and not one of those being used, you know, to go up against AEW. So I, I... And, and again, we don't have any idea how many people are even on Peacock now. For WWE. Oh, yeah, no clue. Yeah, who knows? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, you're right. That's going to be really a, an interesting thing to to look at as well as like, and, and I guess we'll see from the buzz that, that go on that that goes on that night. But yeah, it because uh, this would be the first one that, you know, because the prior one was available on both, right? Some people still were able to watch it on both. I think like you were you got knocked out, right? It, it, from Fastlane, but I think I was able to watch Fastlane on the network. Yeah, I think we're either at or coming up on the firm date where WWE Network is going to be gone for everybody. It was just people's subscriptions were slowly um, expiring. Right. I think last week. Part. I think last week was the drop dead date. I think everybody is completely out. I think now. it was today. Wasn't it April first? I, I, I don't know you for sure, but the point might is- be right. Yeah, I, I was. I was out a week and a half ago uh, officially, and and yeah, yeah I think. I think this, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the, and this is obviously for America only when we're saying this, but, you know, people always freak out. What what does it mean for me? It's only America, only America Uh, for now, by the way, for now. Uh, But yeah, so, so that, that, that's done now. Like you cannot fall back on the network. So now it's officially, okay, who has Peacock? (laughs) You know, let's go, let's find out who's actually got this thing and who's ready to watch NXT on it. And, and I, it's another fascinating aspect about this Thursday thing as well. Look, we always knew how many people were subscribing to the network and how many people in North America were subscribing to the network at any given time. At least every quarter, we knew, right? We're it's like we're never gonna know now. No, no, no how many idea. people have have gone have converted from network to Peacock or uh, or anything else? Oh, I oh that was is that mine? Oh, thank you so much. You guys stopped and got this for me. Wow, what is it? Hey, Nolan. What did you guys get me? It's 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 my Coke with what is it? Coke Zero. My Coke Zero with cherry and chocolate, right from Sonic. Ooh, tremendous job! You guys know exactly what I like. Thank you. What'd you guys get? You got a strawberry drink. You got a strawberry drink. And you got cherry. Oh, you both got cherry. All right. Everybody got cherry. <laughs> wow. Everybody got some Sonic, huh? <laughs> Tremendous. Well, thank you so much, guys. All right. Come here. You want to say anything? You never say anything. Why are you so shy? There's only a couple thousand people. Listening. Yeah. It's yeah. It's no. fine. It's nothing. I don't know why you're hiding. They can't see you. They can only hear you. <laughs> You dope. Say something. Go ahead. Say. Why don't you say hi to everybody? Hi. That's it? Just a generic hi? All right. I get it. You're shy. You're like your mother. I'm going to get your mother on here one day. That's going to happen. We'll do a show for the paywall. Oh, no? You got to get a couple drinks in you. You know, you got to loosen up. <laughs> get a little. Yeah. Oh, you have lots to say. Oh, all right. What, are you going to bury me? 
Okay. All right. We don't want nice though. We don't want it pretty nice. She's got to bury. No, you. she's gonna bury me. I, I can see so. it in her eyes. I hope so. You deserve it. All right. All right. Good night. Thank you guys. I'm gonna enjoy this uh, Coke Zero with cherry and chocolate flavoring here. So explain. Explain what this is. Is this from the like the? Where's the chocolate part come in? Well, it's Sonic, so they've got the gimmick flavors they could put in the drinks. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So they get me. They know I like Coke Zero, so they got me the Coke Zero, and they got it with uh, cherry and chocolate. So I guess it's just, I assume it's just chocolate syrup that they put in this thing, and the and the cherry syrup. Okay, I think it was maybe a shake or something like that, but no, it's 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 a liquid form, a full no. liquid form. Okay, they know what I stick to. No gimmicks. They know <laughs> Coke Zero. Like a, it sounds like a great milkshake. That's what I was wondering, or a float. It'd be a great float too. Throw some chocolate ice cream into a you know a cherry Coke Z. That's all I'm saying. The Route 44 gimmick, the big one, you know, the daddy size. Is that so what it's called? Go. Or yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not. Familiar, don't I, we don't have too much Sonics. We have one around here, but I don't, I don't go very often. So I always say, see, I always pull up and I always say, all right, they have small, medium, large, and then like Route 44. <laughs> but I always say, whatever. It's either Route 44 or Route 44. And I always say the wrong one because then they always correct me. Like, do you ever? So I don't know. Like is that a, do? Is there an official word on that? Because I think I switch between the two as well, and I don't know if there's actually officially. I think I. Well, there might be an official verbiage for Sonic, is what I'm saying. Ah, like, I got it. Might, I got it right. Like, do you have? All right. Is there? Everyone in their house has a light switch where you always pick the wrong one. Yes. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you can live in your house for ten years, and you're always like, "Okay, I'm gonna get it right this time." It's one. It's the you, one in my back steps. Yeah. It either so I have two switches. One turns the power on and off into my garage, and the other one turns a light on outside. And if you don't think I turn the power off my garage every single time every when I'm time. trying to turn that light on, every time I've done it every day for the last four and a half years, I have hit the wrong one, and I go, "God damn it!" And then the next day, I I go, "Okay, the top one, the top one, the top one." The next day, boom, wrong one again. No matter what. Yeah. Mine's a ceiling. I got the fan. yips. I got the yips. I can't. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, mine is a mine is a ceiling fan and a lamp, right? And I'll want to turn one or the other on, and I will put my hands on my hips and stare, and I'll go, "All right, Joe, you can get this. <laughs> you right. got and, this. You and, know it, Joe. You know it." And without fail, every single time I get it wrong. That's like when I pull up to the Sonic window. I'm like, okay, do they call it route or do they call it root? And no matter what I say. The person on the other end says, like, corrects me and says the other one. As if, like, they have no idea what you're ordering. If you say the Route well, 44, they're like, uh, do you mean the Route 44? Yes. I exactly. Like, obviously, they know. <laughs> That's but, no, you know what I'm trying to say. Come on. But they, they want to make you feel bad about it because, you know, because everyone treats them like shit all day. So they, they like, want to dunk on you. Back. They want to dunk yeah. on you. Yeah. Like, the customer is just, customers are just one big entity to them. They don't separate them out. And people are so mean to food service people that when they get a chance to be passive aggressive or nasty back, they take advantage of it. So when I pull up, and I'm very nice to these people, I mean, geez, I've been in this business, okay? And I say the wrong route or route, they're all over me because the guy in front of me was a jerk to them, you know? But listen, you just got to take it. I understand where they're coming from. But yeah, anyway, that's what I got here. Coke Zero. Uh, cherry and chocolate. Enjoy. So, got the run in over with early tonight.
Yeah, they got in and got out. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're looking for the Raiders. I think they're the burning Ra- out the territory. I think I need to have a little chat. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's getting a little out of hand. Yeah, I think they're burning out the territory. You know, they're overdoing the gimmick. You know, it's like Kenny Omega on Impact. You know, it's just the same thing. Yeah, every week. I was, I was going to say it's like Nitro. It's like the Nitro main events. It's like everyone everyone listens to the show now and just is waiting for the running. You know what I mean? They they, they don't even yeah. care what they don't even care what we're saying anymore. They care when is the running coming? When are the kids going to come in? Because then after the kids, that's when the show really gets going. So now they're they're yeah they're gonna have to learn how to how to work a little the, bit you know the problem is i put them over every time they come in here so they think that they're over so oh, yeah, they want to yeah, come in yeah, dude. They, yeah they, they, they were at that. sonic like oh we're gonna get this for dad walk into the yeah. room and strut on in yeah. and tell him what we got and he's gonna ask what we got and he's gonna put us on the air like yeah they they, they know they know they're smart they want to get the big pop you know they know they're gonna get the big pop so i think next time they come in i should no sell them <laughs> just and no make sell. them you just no sell them right and then they'll be like oh well that wasn't any fun so I don't want to come in anymore. But hey, listen, I did make him run away and cry a couple weeks ago, and that didn't work. He was right back at it the next week. So, so who knows? Yeah, just maybe but, let uh, them know that absence does make the heart grow fonder. Uh, fonder you yeah, know, I'm you know, telling you, they're burning out the territory. Yeah. They gotta, you know, it, it it might be time to move on. It's like, but then when they, but tell them though when they come back though after a little bit, then that's what that's when the pop the big pop really happens. These small little pops that they're getting, these small little things they're not. But yeah, if they come, you know. They go away for three weeks and come back that fourth week. It's gonna be huge. So I think I'm gonna have to. Here's what I, I got to call them into the office. I got to explain to them that I'm sending them off to Watts for six weeks. <laughs> right. Okay, they're, gonna, they're gonna go work mid south for six weeks, and then we're gonna bring them back. And they might be a little disappointed because the payoffs are a little better here in the Lanza territory. But when they come back, they're gonna. It's gonna mean more, right? If they go off for a while, and it'll be good. They get to work with different podcasters down there in the Watts territory, and. And, uh, you know, and stretch their legs a little bit, do something a little different. And then maybe we could bring them back because they're really burning things out here. There's no question about it. Um, I think we're pretty much done with that topic anyway. I think so. so. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, next on Tuesdays uh, and, and, and definitely next week. And we'll talk about it a little bit more next week on, on our show that we do. But uh, as we preview kind of the week coming up and the weekend coming up. But, yeah, it's 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 a fascinating WrestleMania weekend. Uh, for a lot of reasons of, of, you know, despite what's actually going on in Tampa, just, you know, the wrestling landscape in general. Uh, this next week is 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 really really interesting, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, kind of talk about it and see if anything else you know drops uh, in the, in the meantime. But uh, move on to some other topics here. Before we do that, uh, we do want to let you know that this episode of the Voices Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by my bookie. And Joe, we let everybody know earlier today on our Twitter account at Voices Wrestling that my bookie was giving free money away. They had an over under of 0.5 runs scored in the Dodgers Colorado Rockies game, and we said. You better do this right now because this is free money. By the end, by the middle of the first inning, the Dodgers had scored, and everybody that took us up on our offer, they're all billionaires now. Is that correct? Well, they're $25 richer because there was a $25. Somewhere between 20, yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, $25 billion, tomato, tomato, root route. You know, it's, it's, it's one and the same. But anyway, they're $25 richer because that was free money, and my bookie does this stuff all the time. I'm still, I am still working off my money that I got from that. What was it, week one or week two of college football? There was that one week where, like, yeah. every hour, there, every game slot, there was, like, a free no doubt, like, hey, well, LSU score 20 points in this game. It's like, of course there's LSU's going to score 20 points in this game. There was free money up and down the board. And, yeah, I think I, I came in with $100 up on free, on, like, legit just no doubt bets. Like, this .5 run scored thing in the Dodgers-Rockies game. So, my bookie does that for you. MLB season is kicking off. March Madness is still hot and heavy. we got the Final Four coming up. There is so many things you can do uh, on my bookie. 
Uh, you sign up today at mybookie.ag, use the promo code VOICES, and you secure your deposit bonus up to $1,000. Again, more free money. They're, you just give them, a, you give them $1,000, they're just going to give you $1,000 if you use that promo code VOICES. So again, free money. They're sure they're going to do more bets like this as well, things that you kind of have to be aware of and notice and see and go, oh, wow, that is an easy bet. That's a no-doubter. They do this stuff all the time because they want you to win. So that you can go spend some more money and bet on some other stuff. But they're going to give you free money sometimes uh, every so often. So, again, that's promo code VOICES at mybookie.ag. you got college basketball. NBA is still hot and heavy. The playoffs coming up pretty quickly here. MLB has now kicked off, so you can start getting that involved in that. NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, mybookie puts the action in your hands. Live in-game betting as well. Uh, lines and odds all day, every day. Allowing you to turn game day into pay, uh, payday. Oh, I fucked it up anyway. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. MyBookie.ag, promo code VOICES. So yes, I am also $25 richer now thanks to your uh, you noticing <laughs> that free bet as well. We told people. It, it literally took like three batters for it, 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 it to cash in. So Did they score in the first? I, didn't, I wasn't paying I attention. I think it, it was either the first or the second. It was pretty early. I think, well, was it that? <sighs> I think it might have been the Cody Bellinger thing where, uh, did, you, did, you, did you watch the highlight of that yet? Yeah, so that happens more than people think. So he he explained this to people. So he he hit a home run with a man on first. Justin Turner's on first base. Bellinger hits a home run. Turner wasn't sure if the ball went over the fence or not because I think it bounced back onto the field. And he started retreating back to first base. He was confused. Bellinger accidentally passed him, you know, during his home run trot. You cannot pass a base runner on the base pads or you're out, even if you hit a home run. So that has scored a single for Bellinger. He gets credit for a single and an RBI. Justin Turner's run counts. Okay? So Turner gets credit for a run. Bellinger gets credit for a single and an RBI. But then Bellinger is also charged with a base running out at first base. Got all that, Rich? Yes. So you can be a homer and a single at the same time. <laughs> it, it's, yes. it's it's fascinating. Yes. I saw that in 1980, I want to say, 84 or 85 when I was a little kid. Bobby Meacham of the Yankees hit a home run with runners on first and second. And during his home run trot, he just caught up to the guy that was on second base, and he passed him. It wasn't a situation where the runner was confused like Turner today. He was just being a wise guy and decided to pass his teammate. And they yanked that home run off the board. And I think that, that may have cost them the game <laughs> because his run didn't count. Yeah. So Bobby Meacham is also the same guy. We have plenty of time to go off tangent when we're doing a short show. But anyway, Bobby Meacham is also the same guy who in 1984 comes into the game for the Yankees as a defensive replacement at shortstop. Okay. He makes a uh, throw. He makes a fielding or throwing error that cost the Yankees two runs, and they lose by a run. S George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner goes nuts. Demands that he not only be sent to the minors, but sent all the way to Double A for the rest of the season. So a lot of wackiness with Bobby Meacham. Have you ever heard of Bobby Meacham before? Uh, I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah, he's he's I, mostly because, like you're saying, it was against the White Sox. I believe was the uh, the, the play. That uh, throwing air, <laughs> the throwing air. That's how I think I remember that. And and uh, 
uh, I, I remember, uh, well, the reason I remember too is I think Billy Martin has like a great quote about it too, where like Barry, uh, you know, he just buries the fuck out of him too. Like, ah, that's like amateur hour stuff. That's like grade school shit. Like, I, I'm surprised they didn't just, I mean, you should have just outright released him at that point. Like, don't, why? Well, but I think it's even more humiliating to make him go to double A instead of just releasing him. You know what I mean? But, uh, kind of harsh with the throwing error. I mean, that's yeah, I mean, let's, let's come on. It, it's, but I mean, there's I, a this third, is, you know, there's a, there's a third wacky Bobby Meacham play. I don't know if you know anything about this one. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so uh, Bobby Meacham and Dale Berra are on base. Okay, that's Yogi Berra's son. Okay, uh, there's a ball hitting the gap. Confusion on the base pads. Berra's ho- holding up at third for some reason, even though the uh, third base coach is waving him in. Meacham's on his tail. It tur- now, it, both guys are now headed for home plate, like sorry, right behind Sorry, this is the White Sox play. Sorry, that yeah. I mixed it up. This is the one with the White Sox. It's Carlton Fisk has them both, right? Carlton Fisk tags them both yeah. out at the plate. They play that. They play that highlight. That's how I know it. Oh, sorry, I mix my plays up. They show that play before every White Sox game for the last thirty years. Basically, is is Carlton yeah. Fisk sitting there going boom, boom, tagging both guys as they're walking by. And you're always. And I remember as a kid being like, "Now, how the fuck does that happen? Like, how does that like two men in the yeah. professional baseball rings?" trying to cross home plate at the same time how in the world does that happen and yeah that's that's how i lifted up so sorry I, I mixed up my plays that's how i know bobby meacham so well bobby meacham's been involved in like three freak plays <laughs> right. all in it's a one-year right. span yeah, jesus you know so yeah that's uh it's an awesome play too you've your... never seen it the carlton fist tagging out both guys because one guy he's like backs to him and he just kind of like barrels into him from behind and then the other guy's running up and tries to slide around him and he tags him too and then he just like pumps his fist and the crowd goes nuts it's it's awesome it's a really cool moment yeah, there. Uh, that is on. It's either on YouTube, or someone did clip it and put it on Twitter because I just watched it today. So, um, it's uh, that's definitely a play you could watch. I couldn't find Meacham passing the runner on the home run though, but it happened with Bellinger today, and if people are confused, that's why. Even on a home run, you can't, you cannot pass another runner on the base pads, or you're out. Yes, I if mean, you play, if you play slow pitch softball, you will inevitably see it like. <laughs> Five times a season, <laughs> like it's a constant in slow pitch softball. I don't, I don't know why, because obviously it's just a bunch of idiots playing, you know, fake baseball. But uh, yeah, it, it happens all the time in in, in slow pitch because you never know when it, when a home run's gonna be hit. You don't know the sound. It's just like yeah, the guys don't pay attention. It's just yeah, it's it's it happens all the time. I don't know yeah. if it costs any games, uh, at least that I remember, but uh, certainly certainly happens a lot. So, or you hope the the ump doesn't see or the ump doesn't really notice, and then you just kind of <laughs> you go fuck. Shit, go, 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 run, run, run. And the up doesn't really look because he doesn't care either. So, did you know uh, Dale Barra's number is retired by the Yankees? Is it really? Well, he wore number two. Oh, so. <laughs> right. So. Jeter wore that one later. So it, was, it, was a dual, it was a dual retirement for Dale and, and, uh, <laughs> and Jeter, I'm sure. May as well have been. I mean, you know, uh, Dale Barra with his, uh, let's see, he, uh, is 230, 285, 336 slash as a Yankee. Eek. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this does not look very good. These numbers look pretty terrible for old Dale Barra. But uh, all right, let's get into some other stuff here. Uh, that is NXT. Uh, you want to talk? Hmm. We got RH. We got Andrade. We got New Japan. Where do you want to go here? I guess we should touch on Andrade, right? Yeah, we're, we're in WWE land, so let's talk about that. Uh, obviously, he did a, an interview with Lucha Libre online earlier this week. 
uh, Hugo Savinovich doing this uh, interview with Andre uh, Andrade. Uh, it's been uh, translated many, many times over uh, as well. Some people picked up some certain highlights and, and, and stuff here and there before we kind of go over stuff that you know we found interesting or we found you know particularly uh, worth talking about. What did you take away from from this this interview? Because it was it was it was the talk of the wrestling world for for about twenty four hours here for for many many reasons as well. I mean, none of it really shocked me. You know, it's it's like we talked about the guy just wanted to wrestle. And um, they didn't want to use them, and then they pitched them a bunch of shitty ideas they didn't like. So it just became a a standoff. And I guess um, I guess it helped them that he's paired up with Charlotte, right? I mean, because she's got a little bit of stroke, and if she's telling them to let him go, then um, I, I guess that helps. But a lot of the things that he said, a lot of uh, things that he revealed, didn't really shock me. I mean, he was one of the guys that refused to go back to Saudi Arabia, which who could blame him? Um. You know, just, uh, um, you know, he said he left $3 million on the table, which a lot of people got confused and, and, and thought that he was getting $3 million a year. He was not. He, I think what he meant was he had $3 million remaining on his contract, however many years it was. But what that does tell you is, the, is he was signed long term. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so he had at least three, four, five, somewhere in that range years left on his deal uh, that he wanted out of. But the fact that he's going around uh, spilling the tea, as the kids say, Rich, and that they didn't give him a 90-day non-compete pretty much tells you that something must have happened with this guy that has yet to come out because why are they bending over backwards to, other than possibly the Charlotte factor, to, number one, let him go to begin with, give him no 90-day non-compete. Um, you know, he's out there... Uh, Talking shit on the company, so there's no um, uh, what like do you NDA, call it? There's like no... an NDA or non-disclosure right. thing or whatever. Especially, especially the Saudi Arabia stuff. I mean, that that we'll talk about here yes. in a bit. I mean, I would have said, okay, you can go, but please don't tell people that you were held hostage on an airplane in an airport in uh, Saudi Arabia. And he pretty much right out of the gates is like, yeah, it fucking sucked that we were held hostage. So uh, we so will talk about that in a bit. Everything. But yeah, he's he's out there shooting. Yeah, and he got everything he wanted. So do you think there is something that they did agree to that he isn't allowed to talk about? Because this just seems like... Well, I mean, if, if hey, we mistakenly told your girlfriend that she was pregnant even though she wasn't, <laughs> I, I mean, and, you know, you can talk about being held hostage in an airport. I, I don't know how many other things there really are. So you're right. I don't, I don't know if it was this I or... Have they ever been in a scenario where they gave everyone everything they wanted on a silver platter like this and just... With many years, I mean, they left Pac on ice for nine months. They jerked Brody Lee around for how long? You know, the only people that they really just let go free and clear without much push and pull were people that they saw zero value in, like Sean Spears, um, Dustin Rhodes, who they just figured we have no use for these guys and they're not going to be difference makers anyway. Mm -hmm. Austin Aries all those years ago as well. Yeah, but anybody that they perceived had any value whatsoever which they obviously this guy does and he's going to get a huge money contract from somebody and be a potential difference maker. It's never been this easy to get away. So that tells me there has to be something else beneath the surface here. You know, I'm not trying to start rumors or anything like that. It's just suspicious to me that they gave him what he wanted. Number one, didn't give him a 90 day non-compete number two. And obviously he doesn't have any kind of, non-disclosure agreement because he's out there doing multiple interviews. He, he did a couple. He did another one the other night. He did one with Hugo, 
And then he did another one the other night with a bunch of, uh, I guess, a press. He did kind of a – he set up his own presser with uh, with the Mexican press and did a second uh, long interview session, like from his living room because you can see Charlotte walking around the background. So um, I don't know. I, I There's like – there's something weird about this one. Is it is it is it, it simply the Charlotte factor? Is is it simply her saying, "Hey, you're going to do this because I said so," <laughs> you know, type stuff? I I don't know. Like I, I she probably has that power. You know what I mean? Especially after this pregnancy thing, if they, you know, it, and add, you know, her team kind of confirmed that, or she kind of confirmed that, or whatever. I like that you were joking about that too. Charlotte Flair's team, as if it's not just like Charlotte Flair, you know, making it sweet. Like she's got a team of 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 you know publicists you know working for or whatever but you know she was out there and, and saying yeah that news is true here's kind of the, the the clarification of that maybe it's that like maybe it's simply just hey you did this to me and you are not doing right to me or my fiance type thing and and if you want me to hang around here and if you want me to still be part of this future here then you're gonna let him do that like I, is is it simply that is it simply rick and charlotte having that much pull it has to be those other guys you mentioned don't have that you know what i mean like Sean Spears is going to, you know, Peyton Royce is going to say, hey, no, you know what? You're going to let Sean do whatever. And they're like, eh, fucking who cares? Whatever. Go away. Do whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people have that. And, and, and Charlotte is obviously somebody that they value and they've put so much into and, and so much equity into that. I don't think they want to throw that away just to do some petty little stuff with this guy and not let him, you know, out of his contract or not let him do this or not let him say this or all that sort of stuff. That's got to be it. I mean, I. I can't imagine there's anything else. I mean, he straight up says, I didn't know English, and that's why they wouldn't push me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what else is there? There's there's essentially, you know, him saying, well, because I'm a Mexican, they wouldn't, they were not going to push me. Uh, they told my fiance she was pregnant when she wasn't, and we were held hostage in Saudi Arabia. Like, what else? I mean, God bless. I, I would hope there's nothing weird, else. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's weird, though, because at the same time, he went on to say that he thinks he they do treat some of the other Spanish speaking guys well. You know, so that kind of contradicted what he said about himself. So I that that was kind of weird. And the Charlotte thing, she immediately put out a statement to kind of put out that fire to kind of clarify saying some of the stuff was lost in translation where the doctors flagged her for potentially being pregnant or something. Not necessarily that they told her, hey you're pregnant, but that she got flagged to where she may have been. Pre- so she put out, she very quickly put out a PR thing to kind of squash that because that looked really bad. Yes and no. But uh, I think what was, what was telling to me about the Charlotte response and I have it here uh, as well as the last two paragraphs, the first paragraphs were like, you know, oh, Hey, you know, here's what happened. I, then my levels came back high and they thought maybe it was a pregnancy thing. And then I took other things and it, it confirmed that there was no pregnancy and yada, yada, yada. Those last two paragraphs though, are, are I think pretty poignant and, and she didn't need to include those. She, it was done. Like she said, you know, she said her piece. She said what it was. She kind of got it out of the way right away. These last two paragraphs, though, quote, this put a lot of context for her, mainly how small a woman's career window is. The men are able to work well into their 50s while the women are seen as, quote, older in their early 30s even. For an athlete in her prime, these years mean everything. Her issue was with the process and how the information was relayed as opposed to the information itself. Yeah. So she clearly wasn't thrilled with it no. either. Yeah. But I get, think the she first just four paragraphs the- were, hey, you know, no, this is, it was a mix up, yada, yada, yada. The last two were, yeah, but this should never have fucking happened. Yeah, I think maybe she didn't want him to get in any kind of legal trouble for saying that mm-hmm. they told her she was pregnant when they didn't technically tell her she was pregnant. Right, I right, think right. that's what she was clarifying, you know, because they, they suspended her 
They gave her a medical suspension because of elevated levels of, uh, I'm not looking at it, you are. Uh, HCG, HCG levels. Yeah, so there was the possibility that she was pregnant, so they medically suspended her. He said, or at least the people who translated what he said, was that he flat out said they told her she was pregnant. So I think that's why she wanted to clear that up. Did you think it was funny, too, how uh, that tweet that went out said, Charlotte's team contacted us and put this in. who was it alex mccarthy I think yeah yeah out. i think it was alex mccarthy that's why i joked about charlotte's team as if there's this like you know these five you know pr people all walking up to charlotte all right what do you want us to charlotte's say what do you want us to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's definitely just charlotte emailing alex mccarthy and saying here say this <laughs> i mean does she really have what is she manny pacquiao what do you mean <laughs> charlotte's team, team? Charlotte's representation you know? said, yeah, that, <laughs> I love that idea of, yeah, these five people in power suits all walking up. Okay, Charlotte, what do you want to say? What's the PR spin like? Yeah. I mean, getting, getting into a boardroom and closing the door behind them. All right, how are we going to handle this, guys? Like, Charlotte picked out a reporter she liked, and she sent him an email. I mean, what is Charlotte's team? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she had a yeah, team. A, a flare at uh, gmail.com is, is who the team was. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if she has a team, she doesn't need one. Okay, she doesn't need one. These these WWE wrestlers are so sheltered in this bubble and not allowed to like. What do they need a team for? What you have? They'll do the PR for you. So if she's paying a team, uh, she probably shouldn't, you know. Um, but yeah, so you know, it was just uh, and there was a ton more, um, just crazy little things that anyone outside of wrestling would think are crazy, but none of it really shocked me. A lot of the things that that he had to say. Yeah, we're past this point, man. I mean, it's the uh, same stuff Big Show said. It's the same stuff Ambrose said. It's the same stuff Jericho said. I mean, it's everybody has kind of the same basic premise. And all, all these people have largely said, like, I just kind of want to wrestle. And I, like, you know, they say, come up with ideas. We come up with ideas and nobody cares. So it's like, all right, well, then there's nothing to do here for me. So it's it's it sucks. I mean, it's the same. I, like, you shouldn't be surprised when these things come out anymore. And I, I, people are kind of taken aback every single time. Oh, my God, gasp. Oh, oh, oh. It's always it's the same thing from all these guys. Christian, same, you know, just like I want to, I want to be treated well, and I want to work, and I want to wrestle. Like, not that hard. That's that's really a lot of what these guys are asking for. None of these guys say I, I should have been main eventing WrestleMania. I should have been doing that. Like, you know, Andrade straight up I think says that. Like Charlotte and him like pitched a bunch of ideas that they could maybe get involved together and do some stuff. And it was just like, yeah, no, we're not going to use you. We're not going to draft you. You're you're injured. He's like, oh, you cleared me. No, well, no, you're still injured. You're fine. <laughs> okay, all right, well. I'll just sit home then, I guess, and not do anything, even though I'm an asset. So, yeah, it's 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 the same story with all these guys. So, yeah, I don't know why anybody would be surprised anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, um, he'll be on the move. We kind of talked about it either last week or the week before. I still think ROH is the front runner. I think some whispers came out that that is actually the truth at this point. But, he, you know, he has an offer on offers on the table from New Japan. Uh, obviously, AEW has called him. But I still think ROH is the front row. I think he wants to go to ROH and work with his boys. You know, why wouldn't he? He's been locked in the house all this time. He wants to wrestle. He's frustrated. Um, maybe he wants to go have a, have some fun with uh, people he likes and where he knows he's going to get pushed. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a permanent stop. You know, it doesn't have to sign a five-year deal with Ring of Honor. And, you know, if you sign with Ring of Honor... They've got those ties with New Japan, and they're very open to allowing you to sign a dual contract. You can get big money from both of them, you know. And, uh, you know, AEW has been willing to bend over backwards for people who wanted to work Japan as well. So I'm sure they'd be willing to talk. Um, 
when it comes to that because I think it's clear that this guy wants to work uh, New Japan. He flat out said it that he wants to work New Japan. And I, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that uh, he'd like to go to Ring of Honor and work with his buddies. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit when we talk about the 19th, but I, I'm all for I mean, that is honestly, if I were to pick a spot that I would want to see him in, that's the spot I want to see him in for sure. Where? Uh, a, a Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor for sure. I think that's it, 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 it. I think it helps Ring of Honor more than it helps any of these other companies to have Andrade. Because that's a bona fide star that they can add to their you know roster, add and, and immediately push him and immediately do stuff with him. Like you said, from his end, there's no like, oh, you gotta kind of work your way up or kind of fit in. It's like boom, from day one, like you're already a top guy. You're you're already a top guy. You're probably gonna have some sort of ability to to to, to control what you're gonna be doing and 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 have some sort of say in how your character's gonna be working. Because they're gonna they're gonna roll out the red carpet for you if you're Ring of Honor. I mean, they are desperate for guys that have that sort of ability, that sort of draw, that sort of whatever. So yeah, it's like to me, it's an absolute no brainer. And like you said, that the Ring of Honor is and and has been sort of open to you doing some other stuff and moving some other places and and and, and doing other things. Uh, to me, yeah, that's a no brainer for for Ring of Honor. I think it it, it benefits him and it benefits benefits them uh, more than it benefits almost any other company. So I, I hope so. That, that'd be a really cool move. You know, at one point, Ring of Honor was willing to spend a lot of money. Um, Sinclair was willing to spend a lot of money on, on Ring of Honor contracts. I don't know if that's changed after a year of not generating any revenue while paying all of these people that were under contract. I mean, they obviously have been running in the red since the pandemic started. So I don't know if Sinclair now looks at it as, you know, being far less willing to say yes to Joe Coff when he wants to, you know, make a big signing as opposed to pre-pandemic where Ring of Honor was really making moves and had the blessing of their bosses at Sinclair to do so. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Whereas if Tony Khan wants really wants to make this deal happen, you know, obviously if he if he if he really wants it to happen, he can uh, he can make the call to break AEW's budget and make the signing. He's got the money. So uh, if it comes down to money, you know, uh, obviously Sinclair versus the cons is a very interesting battle, but I think that, um, you know, Sinclair has, uh, like we talk about all the time, Ring of Honor is such a small part of their business, right? And I guess you can make the same argument for the cons where they have their hands in a bunch of different things, but this is Tony Khan's passion project. So if he want to, wants to make this happen uh, bad enough, I think that he will find a way to make it happen if it comes down to choosing between Ring of Honor and AEW. And you would think that New Japan, the freedom to work New Japan, uh, would be there with either company, right? But Tony Khan's going to want you there every Wednesday. That's the thing. Right. Like, you might get the Moxley or Jericho deal where you can work, you know, uh, the, the big shows a couple times a year and maybe a G1 tour or something, right? But he's going to want you there pretty much every Wednesday, especially if he's paying you uh, gigantic money. Whereas Ring of Honor, there's a lot more downtime in between Ring of Honor tours and Ring of Honor TV where you can go to Japan for six weeks. Right, you can go time. to Mexico. You can do shots in Mexico. Yeah. We saw half the people that are on the Ring of Honor show on Friday were also at the same time doing a show in Mexico. So, yeah, that was another example right there. Yeah, and I mean, he talked a lot about Mexico, and he talked about some new group wanting to start up, which you hear that talk out of Mexico all the time. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, you know, but I think I think the bigger money is obviously you want to get Sinclair and – and Tony Khan into a bidding war 
and then get New Japan into the mix. And I think that's where your biggest money is going to be. And then, you know, I think he even said he flat out that he's not interested in signing a contract in Mexico, which makes sense. Why would you? Oh, yeah. I there's, mean, no, he, there's no reason to. Yeah, you'll make big you, money. You, you'll be able to work anywhere you want in Mexico, anytime you want in Mexico. But you yes. signed a deal in America. Yes. And when you have exactly. a free weekend, you tell whatever company, hi, I'm, I'm free this weekend. Pay me money and I'll come wrestle for you. And, 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 and you could do big money shots in Mexico. Right, exactly. Absolutely. You know, that's that's the way to play it. So it seems to me he's playing everything uh, the correct way. So uh, for all we know, his his alleged interest in Ring of Honor could just be a negotiating tactic. Yeah, I don't know, which, you know, wouldn't be would be wouldn't be the dumbest thing in the world to, you know, jack up your asking price. If your, you know, destination, you know, in your heart is AEW, but, uh, but you know, who knows? I mean, we talked if he if he popped up at Impact or something, how that might cool him off. We talked about that last week. Do you think if he pops up in Ring of Honor and does a couple months there just to get that out of his system and uh, work with with uh, some of his buddies, do you think that cools him off if then he goes to AEW from there? I I I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I would say initially, yes, but I also I need to bake in there that if he does appear on Ring of Honor, that's a big boon to Ring of Honor. And maybe that that doesn't right now as presently constructed. Yeah, that would feel like it's a letdown. It'd feel like, ah, oh, all right, he's going to do Ring of Honor for a little bit and then he's going to go. But there is a chance that he goes into Ring of Honor and it makes it a lot of fun. It makes it pretty awesome. It makes it interesting. It makes it, you know what I mean? Like, and then that would change the whole trajectory. Then if he comes out and he's hot and Ring of Honor's hot and all that sort of stuff, if he comes to Ring of Honor right now and they're in front of no audience and they're in kind of a warehouse and he's just kind of doing shows that no one's really watching, then yeah, that would suck. But, but yeah, we need to bake in the idea that. Maybe he comes there and does something really, really fucking cool, and and Ring of Honor gets that buzz. And this is this is a week as well. Like if they if they followed up with what I thought was a really good show that we're going to talk about here in a bit with a pretty cool closing angle, and then they followed up, you know, in a few weeks here with the debut of Andrade. I mean, they now have become a player again in a company that is worth keeping an eye on, and a company that is worth kind of getting some buzz. So yeah, I, I think that could sort of change it as well. He's that type of guy that I think will change that trajectory a little bit, where it wouldn't seem as much of a downgrade. Because he's coming to Ring of Honor, because he's going to add some juice to it and get it going. So, hey, listen, they're keeping Roosh happy. They're keeping Dragon Lee happy, right? And guys like Roosh aren't working for pennies. And you've got that, you know, theoretically, you have that Marty Skrull salary slot available. I mean, they were paying Marty Skrull up until a couple of months ago, and they were paying him a lot of money. So, if that was already kind of in the budget, well, you're not paying anybody that slot. It's kind of like NBA with the salary slots, right? You've got this salary slot that's open that this guy would fit very nicely into, right? It kind of makes sense. Absolutely. But again, I don't know if because of not generating any money for the last year that they're now in budget slashing mode. But they did re-sign all of these guys whose contracts came up. Yeah, it, it's not. they're not in budget cutting mode. Yeah, I mean whether they're in budget adding mode, we don't know. But like you're saying, they 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 re-signed Bandito, they re-signed Rush, they re-signed you know uh, Horus, they they brought in Flamita. I mean they they've been bringing in guys, they've been keeping guys, uh, and, and new people coming in all the time. You know Dickinson now obviously in, in the mix as well. So they're not in cost cutting mode. But yeah, whether they have the money to to, to give Andrade what he is going to need or what he's going to you know really want and and what he actually probably deserves, you know based on the market value, I I don't know. I can't answer that right now, but. I'd imagine that they're, I mean, they're in the room. We know that, and we know that they're going to give it their best effort. And whether he, you know, decides to go to the highest bidder and that highest bidder is AEW or New Japan or whatever, 
you know, that's fine. But but I, I right now as present, I don't see a reason why Ring of Honor can't get involved in that and, and, and really should hopefully be able to sell it to themselves is that, yeah, this this could be a pretty big deal for us and could be something that really gets us going. And, and, and you know, we'll talk about the 19th anniversary in, in a second here, but that bandito flamita uh, Horos match on, on the three-way was, was fucking awesome. So it's like, and Roosh is your world champion, and if you really want to hit that market, especially with MLW not really being, yeah. you know, as much as they were a couple years ago, hitting that market. I mean, you could definitely sell that. Hey, when things go back to normal and things are kind of, you know, semi-okay, we have, you know, three, you know, two of three, four of the, the biggest draws in Mexico in our company right now. And, and and there's a way that we can turn this into, you know, money by drawing in certain places or going and doing tours in Mexico. I mean, there's a lot of ways to sell it if you need to get over that, you know, hey, how do we, you know, if we're going to spend one more million dollars in our budget. Well, here's the reason why. And, and here's kind of the cost analysis of, of yes, it's going to cost us a million dollars more than our budget or whatever. But I think that X, you know, I think that we can. So I, I don't know. Uh, if I'm Ring of Honor, I do whatever I can until it just becomes completely implausible to do it. And and you know that that number might come, that number might be there, but but I, I really do my best effort to try to get him because I really do think that's a huge asset to that company. I think there's no question he works New Japan this year. I mean that's that's going to happen no matter what. I mean he could go do that right now while he's mulling his options because they'll take him back, and he's he's openly stated that he wants to go. So I mean. He's going to work New Japan in 2021. They're going to find a way to work him into their plans. And, you know, as soon as Mexico gets cranking up again, he's going to work. You know, he'll he'll go to the highest bidder and do shots down there and work all the big shows. So, you know, Japan and Mexico, he's set. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, what big money contract he signs and with who. So it's uh, going to be fun to watch play out. Without the 90-day non-compete, we could have this news come down at any time. Yeah, it's cool. He could pop up anywhere. So, um, something to look forward to there. I guess maybe we should just do. You want to just do the Ring of Honor? Yeah, show I was going to. I was about. I was about to say we we're, we're, we talked enough about Ring of Honor. Let's just let's get right into it. The 19th anniversary show that was on uh, Friday, uh, from again, a, a, still an empty arena, but uh, Ring of Honor has at least added some 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 a little bit of, of, of noise. I guess not really. They I suppose they really haven't. It's it, it's still the the atmosphere still kind of stinks uh, for Ring of Honor, and 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 that's the one thing I'm saying. I, I think that's kind of holding them back right now. Uh, but when it was done, I really liked the show. I thought this 19th anniversary show was really cool. It got me excited about Ring of Honor for the first time in a long, long time. I think Ian and Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman are awesome announcers. You had a Rocky Romero there that added just another bit of, 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 of real good commentary. I thought the work up and down the card was really good. I thought the stories were good. I fucking I even liked the cinematic matches. <laughs> I couldn't believe it in this night. But uh, yeah, this I thought was a, a tremendous pay per view for Ring of Honor. I mean, I was there a match? I mean, there was probably two matches that really stood out to me that I would say were like tremendous, tremendous matches. But I thought it was an easy watch, a good watch, and 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 I was excited about just about everything I saw, save for about one match that that yeah, I could I could take or leave. But uh, what what do you think of this show? Yeah, I, I look the atmosphere stinks. They're way behind in that regard. It's just. An empty warehouse, no piped-in crowd noise, no atmosphere whatsoever, which in some ways fits the Ring of Honor aesthetic, but it really makes it a hard watch when I got to sit down and watch four hours worth of wrestling. You know, if you're going to sit there and watch the pre-show and then watch the three-hour pay-per-view, it's, it's, you know, you need all of the matches to be good. And luckily, all of them were. I mean, for the most part, I didn't really. I'm looking at it now. I don't see anything that I thought was bad. Yeah, there's one match that uh, I think you probably could have cut about half of it off. Uh, Briscoe and EC3, I think you could have cut a little bit of time off from that. Uh, I didn't, see, I, I didn't hate I, it, I, but I didn't need it to be 20 minutes. I could see the argument for cutting some time, but that that exceeded my expectations because 
I think EC3 is just completely washed up, and I don't think he was that great to begin with. And I think every match with him is going to be a struggle or is going to need to have some shortcuts. And I, I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. I'll say that. Did it need to be 20 minutes? Yeah, probably not. But I, you know, I, I don't see a bad match on this show. Um, you know, I did watch the pre-show. And you know, that's where Shane Taylor Promotions won the six-man titles from the Mexa squad. And then they shot the... Did you watch that or not? I did. I actually did watch the pre-show as, as well. It was free oh! on YouTube. Yeah, it was free on YouTube. Nice and easy to watch. It was good. I, the pre-show was awesome because they had all the hype videos and stuff. That got me excited. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I was really excited for the pay-per-view once, once I watched that. Yeah, so Mexa squad lost the titles and then they're kind of blaming each other for the loss. And then uh, I guess it was... Hor- no, it was Bandito and Flamita got in a shoving match. And then Horu stepped in between them, and he's like, uh, why don't we just have a match later? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let's just fucking fight each other. <laughs> yeah. Which, I don't know. Doesn't make a ton of sense, but fuck it. Why not? I mean... Yeah, I'd, I'd maybe talk it up a little... I'd, I'd maybe talk it over a little bit instead, instead of just, you know, three hours later getting into a fight. Like, you might want to, you know, hey, let's maybe try one more time, or let's... And they just decide, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just fight each other. Let's just let's get in the ring and fucking beat each other up, so... The funny thing is, Horus wasn't even the guy in the dispute. And he's the one saying, ah, yes. fuck it, let's yeah. all fight. <laughs> he just wanted to, maybe he just wanted to fight. So, uh, you know, hey. Yeah. You know. So, uh, so they added that three-way to the pay-per-view, which I thought was kind of smart to set up a match like that for the pay-per-view at the end of the free portion. Because you might get some buys from people who are like, oh, shit, I want to see that three-way. You know, so that was kind of clever to run a little angle at the end of that. I hate when these companies, you know, they have a pre-show and then they don't do anything on it to try to talk you into buying the show you know um shoot an angle do something creative and that's what they did here so um you know i thought that was cool and, and i was excited to see a three-way later and then there was that four-way too where brian johnson uh it was uh eli isom lsg and dan Housen. so that was fun that- I, I enjoyed that match i mean it wasn't good but yeah brian johnson man i like that it's some nice heat it, it's that's a guy that i could see i like i was interested in him in that match. i mean he's not great He's not technically great, but but I love the shit talking. I love and and it works. He is a guy that almost I I don't I, I'll be very interested to see when crowds come back if he can if he can kind of translate that. But it's it's pretty fun in in uh in an empty arena setting because he's just yelling the entire time <laughs> and Ian and Caprice are just like shut up, dude, get in the ring and you know get in there. And uh, yeah, I'll, I won't lie, the Danhausen uh, I was I was actually pretty interested in, in in him in this match as well. So hey, listen, if that, if that's his slot, he's fine. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I have I have no problem with Danhausen as a prelim comedy guy. You know, I just don't want him in main events. I don't want him pushed. You put him on pre-shows like this where he does his silly spots, I I it's totally inoffensive to me. Um but yeah, let's go through this show. We don't have to get super detailed because we got a lot to get to and we got about an hour left. So uh Kenny King loses Dragon Lee's television title. <laughs> Stinks for Dragon Lee <laughs> to Tracy Williams. So uh, Tracy Williams and Dragon Lee are already uh, building a match on Twitter. Tracy Williams claiming that uh, his surgery was unnecessary because the story there is he couldn't fly in because there was something going on with his ears or something. Yeah, he had some sort of ear infection uh, or had some ear surgery or whatever, so he couldn't fly. So yeah, Tracy, tr- Tracy, quote unquote, shooting on him and saying, "Ah, yeah, yeah, you're avoiding me with your stupid ear infection type thing." So yeah, good little story. Yeah. So they ended up changing the title there. So Dragon Lee has a gripe because he didn't actually lose it. And really, every match on this show was pretty good. I mean, there was a couple I thought were better than the rest. But uh, nothing on this show to me was bad. Next was Flip Gordon 
beating Mark Briscoe. They went about seven minutes, and it's exactly what you'd expect out of Flip Gordon and Mark Briscoe. I mean, it was just a good, solid match. Yeah, you know? I have nothing to add. It, it really, really good stuff. Didn't overstay its welcome exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, I think people are too hard on Flip. I, I, I don't know why people. Well, well he's I know a dork. Yeah, he's an absolute dork yeah, on Twitter. But yeah, as a wrestler, he's fine. But that's that's one of the problems that we don't separate the two. Yeah, sometimes yeah, it becomes difficult. And he's and he's very much a dork on Twitter. So I get it. It's hard. Yeah. But I try to just I try to when he comes out, go okay, forget forget you know the, what he does on Twitter. Just I, I appreciate him as a wrestler, and and I, I do like him a lot. I, I just think. Um, yeah. Yeah. His, it, 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 I don't know if he's – some guys that's not justified as much, he's right on the edge of, of, of being somewhat justifiable. I guess. I just – I don't know. I'm just a different breed. I never think about this stuff when I'm watching people wrestle. I don't care that he thinks the earth is flat. I, Rich, I don't care at all. Like it doesn't matter to me when I'm watching him wrestle or when I'm watching an actor act or a baseball player play baseball or some guy play bass in a band. I don't care what they think about anything. Dance, monkey dance, entertain me. That's really all I care about. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I never think about this shit. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He, he, guy's a goober. But I, I, it doesn't matter. To, I don't care that he was a troop. I mean, that you know, that whole troop. I, like, none of that matters to me at all. I just want to watch people wrestle. Anyway, the match was fine. Um, Dalton Castle versus Josh Woods. Dalton Castle just re-signed, by the way. So that's another example of Ring of Honor maybe. Um, you know, uh, maybe not necessarily cutting budget because if they were, these are the kind of guys you'd let walk if you're looking to save a little bit of money. But uh, Josh Woods is an interesting guy. I mean, he's doing this whole thing with Silas Young. They never really get behind him and push him, but it would be somebody who would be homegrown. But the story here was Woods is like a shooter, but everyone forgets that Dalton Castle is like has this great amateur wrestling background. Yes, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, so yeah. He, right. So it was a nice little story. He was able to thwart a lot of Woods' shit. And, and, and you know, the idea was Woods thought he was going to roll over this broken down shell of a man. And I'm this shooter. And I'm, you know, but Dalton Castle has all these legitimate wrestling skills as well. So, uh, you know, again, a decent little match. We talked a little bit about Jay Briscoe EC3. Rich thought it went a little long. Um, I thought by EC3 standards, it, it, it exceeded my expectations. Jay Briscoe. You know, a guy who is clearly on the downside of his career. I think he's, you know, lost a he's, he's lost a step. I think that's fair to say. He's not what he was even five years ago, I don't think. So I was very concerned about this match coming in. And, and especially for the length that it went, I thought EC3 did very well. Yeah, he EC3 is an interesting case of, of I mean, obviously a million-dollar wrestling look. I mean, just an incredible specimen of a man this EC3 is. It's unbelievable. And you just you you wish that there was maybe a little more. I don't. I hate this character that he's doing right now. I just don't know that it works. It's kind of strange. It's kind of weird. Nobody's quite sure exactly what it is. Nobody's quite sure what they're supposed to react like or how they're supposed to take it or whatever. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's I, I'm I'm in a weird spot with him right now because I do think that there's value there, and I do think for a company like a Ring of Honor, there's absolutely a value to using somebody like an EC3 and trying to maximize uh, what you have out of him because not many people look like him. You know what I mean? He's got that eye popping look and just a, yeah. a, a look that stops you in a trap and you go holy shit what the hell like look at that guy it's just something's missing there i don't know if it's just his motivation level i don't know if it's just what he can actually do in the ring and and, and maybe you know you need something else to kind of clear you know you're right though that this match probably over delivered a little bit i just don't think i would ever put ec3 in a 20 minute match even against somebody 
uh, as good as Jay Briscoe. Even somebody you know a little bit broken down like Jay Briscoe these days, I just I, he just can't go at that sort of level for that long. EC3 without it becoming a little too mundane and a little too long in, in, in the tooth. But there's something there. There's something there. I, I wouldn't give up on him, but I just don't know. I don't know what I do with him either. Like I, I definitely sign him, but then I'm not sure what I do with him with EC3. EC3, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, he does jump off the screen, and he has some creative ideas. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's a he's it, it's it's tricky. I don't know either. So then we had the three way with Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horus, and uh, this was fucking bonkers. Oh my what do you God. want me to say? Yeah, this is this is classic. Like this is awesome. Like classic wrestling. This is the type of stuff that I absolutely love. Bell rings and these three dudes just do a bunch of shit for ten minutes, and every single next thing they do is more incredible than the thing they did a minute earlier. And it's just it, it peaks, it peaks, it peaks. Bandito gets the win. Doesn't overstay its welcome. At no point can you catch your breath, and then it's over, and you're just you left going, "Oh my God, what did I just watch? That was incredible." I mean that this is one that. I feel that there's probably people listening to this that have not seen this match or people listening to this that had no plans on watching this match or watching the Ring of Honor 19th anniversary show. There's some we're, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that you, you, you know, on the show that was good, that we liked or whatever. Watch this match. Seriously, whatever way you can do, however you can do it. Watch this match. I think you, you'll be blown away by how good it was. And I, I, I'm, I'm not seeing enough love for this match. It, to me, it, it was just that good. It, 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 no, was it a match of the year contender? Absolutely not. But, but just to show that there are still guys out there that can do stuff you've never seen before. And guys that just have gifts beyond your, your wildest dreams. And, and, and that's what these three guys were on this night. Yeah. They just, you know, this was a spot fest. Let's not, you know, uh, let's call it what it is. But when guys are this talented, I, there's room for that on a wrestling show. I mean, we've always been supporters of that. I don't know if I want a whole show of spot fests. That can be a little overwhelming at times. We've all seen PWG shows where it's like you're exhausted and you're like, okay, I have to watch the rest of this later because the first four matches have completely burnt me out, right? But on a show like this where there was nothing else like it, this was awesome. I mean, they had no interest in selling or telling a story. <laughs> no. They were just moving from spot to spot and doing some wild ass shit that you've never seen before in some cases, like you mentioned. And it was just a shit ton of fun. And there's room for that pro wrestling, you know, and, uh, you know, and it was, it, it was, it was just, it stood out, you know, and it's, it's the match that I think, uh, people are talking about coming out of the show. You know, there's probably one or two others, but, this was probably the match that made the biggest, you know, I watched in real time and this was the match that made the biggest impression on Twitter in real time for whatever that's worth. So yeah, just a shit ton of fun. Look at it on paper, close your eyes. Imagine what these guys could do if they're just out there fucking around and, uh, and, and doing spots. That's what this was. Yeah. You know, it was just a shit ton of fun. And I think Bandito's definitely improving uh, as well. I mean, he's a guy that you and I were a little bit kind of like, yeah, he's good. He's got the talent. He's there. He he is. He's kind of figuring it out. And, and he's still super, super young at this point, too. But he he in this match, I mean, Flamina and Ray Horus were are incredible and awesome. But I thought Bandito in this match really stood out for me as like being a legit, like felt like a star in this match. So, so yeah, credit to him. I, I, I think he's really, really improving. So what's the end result here? Are they still boys or what? Uh, fuck yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if this is like the uncles that just you know they fight and then they're they're cool the next week or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, well, well, well I'm interested to see if they uh, did, did they, they did they shake the hands? I don't know. Did they? I don't remember. Did they do a a, a code of honor after this? I don't I don't call. I don't remember either. I think this was just they got their frustrations out and now. Yeah, you they know. just want to do some flips against each other and some hurricane ranas, yeah. and then you know when they're done, they get some cervezas and 
slap hands, and it's back to the back to the game. So, all right. So uh, Matt Taven versus Vincent. This was allegedly a cinematic match, but I don't I don't really consider this a cinematic match. They basically just had a walk and brawl, no DQ match in a wrestling school. I mean, I, I mean, they didn't do anything cinematic. Do you, did, did you, did you, like, what, what was your take on this uh, alleged cinematic match? Yeah, so to me, I, I, I liked it. And I think the reason I did like it is it didn't have sort of the pomp and circumstance of, of, of a cinematic match. There wasn't fake smoke. There wasn't a guy walking and we see his feet, but dun, 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 you know, behind the, it was just like Matt Taven outside of, I think it was a, it was like a fraternal order of the police or something like that. I forget what, exactly what the building was. Maybe someplace that those guys had wrestled before, but he's just like, Hey man, I'm going to beat your ass. And he walks in, they beat each other's ass for you know 10 minutes. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It was, yeah, you're right. It, it, it felt more like an on location fight than a cinematic match. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't maybe consider, and there was nothing like farcical in here. There was nothing that wouldn't be no. normal. I mean, they just beat the hell out of each other with stuff and, 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 you know, yeah, there was really, that was nothing that, that, that really stood out to me of being anything that, that, that was unrealistic. Even, even your, you know, your stadium stampedes had a man get drowned and then reemerge and, and, and nobody got buried and nobody died. Nobody got eaten by an alligator or anything like that. It's just two dudes that, that, that beat each other up. And even, even to the extent of like the AEW revolution one, like, you know, the, 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 the fight with the, you know, Darby and, and team Taz and all those guys like that one at least had some stuff that was a little, and you could tell that it was like clearly edited and clearly in that sort of stuff and had drone shots and stuff. This just felt like, music. yeah, it had the music. It had the guys talking over the music. This was really cool and they set this up in a great way too and, and i don't know who had this idea but but kudos to them where ian riccoboni goes you know ian riccoboni goes well they sent us this video we have no idea what's on it so let's go let's play it and then that was it and then they didn't say anything they didn't chime in they, it, it was just like they loaded a tape into the deck and and let it play and then when they came back it was like those guys were watching it with us for the first time and i i thought that was a a cool aspect of it as well so yeah i don't i don't know this is it, it, we're, we're in this weird universe where i don't know what we call these things i mean this is this you're right. I don't. I don't think I could call it a cinematic match. It was just kind of a brawl that happened on location, other than the arena that the 19th anniversary was on. So, I don't think that's cinematic. And with Vincent, you're worried you might get some of those elements, but you didn't really get any of that. They no. just had a fight. No, they just beat the hell out of each other until our boy Bill Carr showed up, as as, yeah. we, as we all predicted in our preview last week. Of course, that you know Bill Carr is going to show up and throw both guys off a balcony through some tables. So, I don't know if they've given that man a name yet. Uh, but he was dressed like a giant, what, like hillbilly, I guess. <laughs> sort of, uh, yeah. <laughs> overalls and like the long johns underneath. And uh, I guess this is going to be Vincent's uh, muscle. So he's paired up with the former or maybe the current. I don't know what they're calling him. Bill Carr, the former uh, tag team partner of uh, what's that dope's name again? Um, the one who's always mad at us, uh, Dan Barry. Dan that, Barry. Uh, Dan, uh, Detective Dan. Yes, Detective Dan. Shouldn't call him a dope. We buried the hatchet. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah, I was going to say. We had a we had a good conversation recently with him, I think. Or not recently, like yeah, a year just, ago, but yeah. Hatchet buried. I apologize to Detective Dan, <laughs> even though he'll never hear this. Uh, I, dope is just part of my vernacular. Listen, I just called, you called your kid. You called your own kids dopes earlier, so that's yeah. fine. <laughs> so I just couldn't think of his name. But uh, so there you go. That was uh, Matt Taven and Vincent, which... Um, yeah, so they both went off the balcony through the tables onto the floor, and I don't even think anybody won this thing, right? This no contest. Just... Yeah, an official thrown out no contest. Bill Carr, you know, destroyed both of them, and then that was the end of the tape. So that's all we saw. All right. So uh, a lot of people thought that Jonathan Gresham, Dax Draper, was the match of the night, the pure title. 
What did you think? I liked it. I don't think I would go as far as match of the night. I thought it was really good. I think a lot of what made this match great is that I don't think anybody expected Dak Draper to have a match this good. I think people know that Gresham is capable of having really, really good matches and really good stories yeah. in his matches and stuff like that. That's not a surprise to anybody. I think where a lot of the feedback comes from is is they didn't know that Dra- Dak Draper had this in him, that he could actually legitimately have a match like this. When it was all said and done, Like I'm probably four stars uh, on this one. I'm probably four and a quarter with the the, the, the three-way with Bandito, Flamita, and Horus. So I like that match a little bit more, and I thought that one had a little bit that you know more to it that, that I enjoyed. But I can't deny that this was really good and like a thousand times better than I ever had any expectations of Jonathan Gresham and, and, and Dak Draper. Uh, good use of the the pure rules where Jonathan Gresham uses up his his his, uh, his rope breaks really, really early in the match. And then he's kind of taken off guard because Dak, who he kind of thinks, oh, I, I got this guy. This guy can't that can't hang with me, is able to hang with him. And eventually Jonathan Gresham does put him away and does, you know, take him off to the outside. But this is one of those matches that makes both guys look really good. Like out of this, you know, there's a lot you can do with Dak Draper. You've kind of established that he can he can really go and that he might be a player in here. And Jonathan Gresham, you know, is still the champion because at the end of the day, Okay, you had me on the ropes. You had me, you know, I couldn't use the rope breaks. You had me, you know, all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, I still beat you because I'm still one of the best in the world. But, but yeah, just the classic match that both guys, I think, benefited from. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I mean, Draper has the legitimate credentials, and I'm not sure a lot of people knew that. But, um, yeah, it was good. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't think it was great or anything. Um, I guess I could see why people thought it was, uh, let's see what the, let's see what Grapple thought. What do we? What do we see? Because I think, and the third match I guess would be Roosh and Jay Lethal mm-hmm. that a lot of people uh, really dug. So let's pull this up. Was this the anniversary show? Uh, Nineteen years of fucking yeah. Ring of Honor. I know. <laughs> I feel very, very old. Yes. <laughs> what the hell? I, I, watched... I think I was at like I think I was at like the fourth anniversary or something live or fifth or whatever it was. Um. All right, let's see. 19th anniversary show. Roosh and Jay Lethal sitting at 3.64. Gresham and Dak Draper's at 3.85. For what it's worth, I'd go about three and three quarters, so that's about what I would have for that match. And the three-way is 3.92, so basically a four. So that would be your match of the night, the three-way. That's fair. I think, I think all those ratings, that, that, that pretty much exactly aligns. The ratings might be a little bit different, but in terms of like the hierarchy... That's exactly the way I would see it as well. So I'm fine with that. I, again, like I think this match really, really good. I think a lot of the, the 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 response and the expectation was that nobody thought that Dak had this. But you're absolutely right. He's like a he was a college wrestler or something like that, or a high, at least a big. I, I don't I forget if he was a college wrestler or whatnot. But he has that in him. Um, and yeah, he's a guy that that you look at and you see, hey, this guy's got a really good look. Uh, he's got some decent charisma. There's some stuff there. So it was one of those moments where I think everybody kind of woke up and said, oh wait, hey, this guy might be a guy. Like they might be able to do something with this guy. So so that's always cool. And I think that leads to a lot of you know, anytime you have that person that you don't expect to be good and he ends up having a really really good match, there's always that sort of you know response out of people of oh my god, whoa, holy shit. Like even if it, even if it wasn't the best match of the night, so. Taven and Vincent sitting at two. Oh, get out. You people have no taste. What? Come on. That's not about? fair. That was that was not a two-star Those match. Those guys went through a Come fucking on. balcony through two tables, beat the hell out of each other. That's not a two-star match. Get out of here. It wasn't bad. That was it wasn't that bad at all. I don't I think people just sometimes go in and are like, ah, oh, it's Matt Taven and Vincent in a cinematic match. I, I I'm gonna cross my arms and not like this. You yeah, know? people think they, we don't like wrestling, man. Go to that grapple at man. Those guys are brutal. <laughs> 
those guys are Grapple brutal. There was a wrestle. I'm oh. doing some stuff for the WrestleMania randomizer, uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. And I forget what the match was. I don't want to spoil it. Cause I think I maybe recorded it and it's not out yet, but there was a match where we're like, we were like three stars off. I was like, come on guys, get out of here. Like, like some good effort that these guys are giving it. It's like, wow, one and a half stars. I'm like, Oh, come on, get out of here. I'm almost always higher than the grapple average on a, any given match. It's a, I mean, they are hard markers on grapple. Let me tell you, it's those fucking Europeans. Cause it's mostly Europeans, right? Uh, yeah. Europeans and voices wrestling flagship listeners. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I blame the fucking Brits. <laughs> Cause our, our listeners like yeah. wrestling. Those Brits. I, I don't know why they even watch wrestling. They seem to just fucking hate it. So I blame Benno. That's why <laughs> it's, it is it's, Benno's fault. Yeah. I shouldn't blame him. He has a very similar taste to mine, but uh, he, he's the first person that comes to mind when I think of a, a Brit who's on grapple. He's definitely on grapple. Right? Yeah, I'm, looking, I mean, I'm on, on grapple, grapple right now, and I scroll just a little bit, and there's his, his, his face. There's Benno, old Richard there Benson, looking at me right now. There's yeah. Joe Lanza and Benno <laughs> looking, looking at me Look right now. Look at him, now, that so. prick. <laughs> yeah, Looks right. like a prick, that Benno, doesn't he? <laughs> Look at him. Look at Benno. Oh, you, were, at you were Benno. Well, both of us, really. Oh, okay. I mean, but, yeah. He's just looking at you like he's just going to say something <laughs> smarmy, right? That's what he looks like, this Benno, right? He's going to eat some beans on a piece of toast, and then he's going to say something smarmy to you. That's what's going to happen when you look at that picture. Yeah. Um, good guy, though. Big fan. Uh, let's see. We had the ROH tag team titles. So uh, Rhett Titus and Tracy Williams are your new champions. It was a bad night for Kenny King. Yeah, not good. As, uh, Kenny King and Bestia Del Ring, who stepped in for his son, with and then they uh, then they beat up Amy Rose. So a slight, I'd say a slight a slight downgrade from uh, Dragon Lee to uh, Bestia Del Ring so. to his old man. Yeah, yeah. he uh, you know what that man is definitely an old guy that sometimes wrestles in Mexico, and it it, it definitely uh, he has a look of it too. This all things <laughs> considered, the match wasn't that bad. Though. It wasn't that it bad, was, but yeah, he uh, he fine. is. Very low effort, <laughs> and rightfully so. <laughs> He's pretty old and stuff, but yeah. that, that man is not doing much in the ring, and that's that's fine. Pay the pay window still is open, so no matter what. So hey, good for him. Yeah, and then uh, Roosh and Jay Lethal, which you know I thought was a nice little three and a half star main event um, with Roosh. How many more title matches is Jay Lethal gonna get? I, we maybe like I know, I know. I, I there's people that were I, I was talking with some people and they were like, well, he you know he's earned it. He did. I'm like, I'm good, man. I feel like Jay Lethal has gotten a title shot or defended the title on every one of the anniversaries since the one that you were at. You know, the fi- at least the last seven anniversary shows, Jay Lethal has either defended the title or, or had a shot at the title, right? Like. Oh, I, I'm good. I'm good on Jay. We got Maybe enough guys in here. Maybe we need to do Let's... the Cody gimmick. Maybe we need to do the Cody gimmick with him and just have him lose a match where he can never challenge for the title. I think again that's not a bad idea. Yeah, because it's it's an easy security no. blanket they can go to. But I I think yep. it might be time to just kind of move some guys up, move some guys through the the, the system here. Because yeah, I don't I don't need to see. I, I like Jay Lethal. I think he's a, a valuable asset to this roster. I just do not need to see him in, in in world title matches anymore. There's just even if this match was good, it just had no juice for me. I just I I I just can't get interested in Jay Lethal uh, challenging for the title. And Roosh is a guy again. Like we we you you and I are pretty consistent with this. There's sometimes where he really delivers, but most times. It's like he comes out. He's obviously a charisma explosion. He's he's got a great look. He does all this sort of stuff. If you've ever ever been there live on a Roosh match, like people go absolutely fucking nuts for this guy. But once the bell rings, he's he's fine. Like you know what I mean? He's he's a perfectly you know okay wrestler. But he's never a guy that's gonna really you know he's not anywhere on the level of a Bandito Flamita Horus once you know the bell rings or anywhere near you know you know some of these other guys. 
that's not saying that there's not a value. Again, there's a super value to, say, having somebody like a Roosh. But I just never – I'm always excited about his match until the bell rings. And then about 10 minutes in, I'm like, ah, yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> it's like he's I'm, fine. I'm, you know? I'm never excited. He's just – he is what he is. I don't think he's a great wrestler. Um, you know, he's a guy who – uh, his charisma really connects with some people and people really, you know, and, and I, you know, obviously he's a worldwide superstar. So um, he obviously has some level of charisma, but no, I never look at a Roosh match on paper and think, wow, I can't wait for that one. It just, he never blows me away. Uh, he more often than not underwhelms, but I mean, he's fine. I, I just, he's just a guy to me. Jay lethal is ROH is Randy Orton. It's yeah, just like perfect, you said, yeah, he's, perfect analogy. <laughs> He's their security blanket, and he never leaves. He can badly use a change of scenery, but he's there, and they always go back to him, and you're always like, I have no interest in watching this. But overall, because we have a lot of stuff to get to in a half hour, overall, I, you know, look, you put this show in front of a crowd, this is a kick-ass show. But as it was, even with the complete lack of atmosphere, I thought it was pretty good, and it held my attention all the way through. All right, let's move on to, uh, we'll talk about New Japan here uh, in a bit. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to let you know, the support for this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is also brought to you by Manscaped. Yes, they're back. Joe Manscaped is back. The best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have ex- an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code, now this is different, flagship at manscaped.com. Not voices, not VOW, flagship at manscaped.com is the code for them. They've created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0, their third generation trimmer. It features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Uh, in addition, it comes with an LED light for a more precise shave and is waterproof as well to make your shower shave clean and easy. That's a thing that I utilize a lot. Uh, the, the shower shave, big fan of that. Uh, and you don't have to use the same trimmer you use on your face as you use on your balls as well. So make this thing special. Make the Lawnmower 3.0 exclusive to your nether regions there. Uh, also with the Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0. Comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 includes the Crop Preserver. Joe, I know you're a big fan of the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Uh, as well, you get the Crop Reviver. This, plus the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. In addition, Manscaped throws in two free gifts of their Perfect Package. A pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. As well as a travel bag to store all of your grooming goods. So of course, you want to go and trim that junk of yours. Clean that shit up. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code flagship. Not voices, not VOW, flagship at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you once again. 20% off plus free shipping with the code flagship at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping, manscaped.com, code flagship. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job at Manscaped. So let him Manscaped back in the, back in the fold here. Like All right, so, look good again. All right, let's get into this New Japan shit. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of time on. No, this, new this company title. doesn't deserve it anymore. I'm done with them. Well, oh geez, Rich, I'm done with them. I'm war. over them. No, I, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm being obviously a little dramatic here, but I just don't know what they're doing anymore. No, you've been, you've been losing interest in New Japan for some time. So I don't know what that's... they're doing. I don't understand anything they do anymore. <laughs> they just, they're weird for no reason. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this new title. It's just because I think we all already fired off our jokes and it just is what it is. The physical title belt, I think eventually everyone will just get used to. People just don't like change. You know what I mean? Now, look, there's no question the previous belt and all of the previous belts were better than this one. Um, I I don't like the belt, but at the end of the day, it does not fucking matter. We're all going to get used to the physical title. What bothers me more is, uh, you know, uh, just wiping out the lineage and the title history and Abushi is the first champion and, and that IWGP heavyweight title lineage, I think, is, uh, is important and meaningful and it's a shame that they've just chosen to wipe all of that out and start over. That's what bothers me more. Yeah. And yeah, maybe in 20 years – it's not going to matter to anybody anymore in the same ways that when the triple crown was put together, we don't really think about those individual title lineages anymore. We just think about the triple crown lineage. But again, I don't know if that's a one-to-one comparison. I really just feel like this was one of the few belts left in wrestling that was, you know, other than that one little ugly period where it got split in two, you know, had a nice clean lineage was always for the most part treated with reverence and had a had a real solid history behind it and now we're just wiping all that away and that's that's the part that makes me not uncomfortable but just a little sad i mean it's a little sad i know it's a silly dumb fake worked sport but it bothers me that's the part that bothers me more than anything else and and as i said maybe in 20 years no one will care anymore because now this title will have a history behind it but it just feels to me like I don't want to forget about the history of the IWGP title. I don't want the history of this title to overcome the history of that other title. And it just, it, it, it just, I don't know. You can even hear it in my voice. I'm just let down by it all. Yeah. I think it's unnecessary. And if they were that intent on having a quote unquote world title, they could have just slapped the word world on their current IWGP heavyweight title. And they could have kept the title lineage and they even could have rolled out a new belt. They could have done all of these things without just starting a new lineage in history. That's my biggest gripe. Yeah, yeah. Lighting lighting all the lineage on fire and just saying, ah, none of this matters anymore. This is what matters. And yeah, like you said, it's dorky and it's stupid and we probably shouldn't care about it. But this is why you do these things. I mean, what you do, why you protect titles and why you make titles so important and why you you, you have a title for so long. And when, you know, a lot of companies don't have that ability to do that or or don't have the, you know, chance to do it or, 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 you know, the company folds after 10 years or whatever. Or, you know, there's a bunch of issues and you feel like you need to have a new title or whatever. Like a lot of companies cannot do this. A lot of companies cannot pull off having this sort of lineage, but New Japan did for 30 years. And like you said, there was that one weird period or whatever, but for 30 plus years, they were able to kind of create a lineage and make that title meaningful and make the title mean something and make the guys who defended that title mean something and make the guys who had that title mean something. And not everybody that was in that company got a shot at that title. That was kind of this special thing and the special story of getting that title meant you made it. It meant you were, you know, a top, top tier guy or whatever. And just throwing that away. I mean, I just would never do that. I mean, you've established and you've worked hard to get that title to the level it is. And, and, and yeah, there's just no reason to throw that away. I mean, it's just it's the easiest story to tell in wrestling. 
is have a prestigious title and have guys fight over that prestigious title. And when a guy wins that title, he then becomes a prestigious wrestler. You know, it's the easiest story to tell. And and one of the things we heard from a lot of people is, well, now they can tell a story of Okada's never had this title and Tanahashi's never had that title. And like, I'm sorry if that's what your goal is, 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 well, we need to tell a story of Okada and Tanahashi winning a title they've never won before. Then you're kind of bad at telling stories because you don't, you shouldn't need that. You shouldn't need a new title to tell those stories. That title should be always the most meaningful thing in your entire company. And it was forever for, for 30 plus years or whatever. That title meant everything. The reason the G1 existed was because people wanted that title. The reason Russell Kingdom existed is because people wanted that title. The reason all this stuff existed was for people to win that title. And just right now they just said, ah, fuck it. Nah, we're done. We're going to move on. And now you can create a new history with that. Of course, you can create a new history with this new title. But why? There's just no reason to do that when you've established this this this. That's title. the biggest thing. It's like why, why? What's the point? Yeah, I, you can give me no... a reason, but I think all your reasons suck. Like there's just no reason to do that. I mean, they they they've done what you need to do. They've done the best thing you can do is keep your main title as prestigious as possible, and you've done it. They've done it for thirty plus years, and they just threw it all away for I don't know why. As time passes, it none of this is going to matter. I'm confident in that. But we're in the moment now, and it bothers me now. It may not bother me 20 years from now or 30 years from now. It bo- but, we're, but because we're in the moment, it really bothers me that they're doing this. Well, and, and rightfully and, so, because what it, what it really does, and, and I, I use this analogy again, and of, of course, this, you know, this trophy means so much more than the, the IWGP every title has been around for a lot longer. But it's like if in 1995, the NFL was just like, ah, you know what? We're going to get rid of that Lombardi trophy. We're going to call it this now. And yeah, all the people that won the trophy before, yeah, that was the Super Bowl and the old Lombardi trophy. But this is the new one now. This is the Bill Walsh trophy or whatever. You know, that you right then and there, it's like, well, this, it's not the same thing. And, like, you can try to trace it back and say, oh, yeah, this is, you know, John Madden won the Lombardi Trophy. And, yeah, this Bill Walsh Trophy is kind of the same thing. And it's it's sort of the same. But it's not. You know what I mean? And it, you ruin that lineage and you ruin that history and you ruin that iconic image of, of whoever, usually fucking Tom Brady, holding up that Lombardi Trophy. And then you can immediately cut to, you know... Joe Namath holding up that same trophy, and it's like, ah, yeah, look at the lineage right there. I mean, this is something that we have established and we've we've built up for 40, 50, 60 years or whatever, and it's just that history. I mean, I'm, I'm a nerd for history like that. I'm a nerd for sports history, and I'm a nerd for wrestling history, and and you you can try like hell to say, oh, yeah, no, no, it's it's kind of the same lineage. It's kind of the same, but it's not. Kotobushi's the first champion of this new title. The next guy who beats him is going to be the second guy, and you could say this is the same title that, you know, Jinichiro Tenru had, but it, it's not. You know what I mean? It's just not. But so. they're not saying that. They're not saying that. Right, they're saying exactly. it's a new title. So to, that's where I don't – and again, time is going to fix it. I, I'm confident in that. Time is going to fix this. But right now, I don't care about this title as much as I cared about the one before it. I just don't. I bet um, Fujinami as well. I, know, I don't think Tenru actually ever won the title, so – I, I knew. I, I understood your point. You, you knew what I was. Oh no, Tenru did win. He won in '99. I remember that now. Old ass Tenru won it. Yeah. It doesn't. You can throw any name out you want. The point is, none of those people held this title. That's the thing, and 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 aren't going to be part of this title's lineage. I don't care what they show on the video board before the match. They are telling us that Abushi is the first champion now. Yeah, we're making a mountain out of a molehill. I really, you know, we are. But it, but I, listen, I'm bothered by it. I'm bothered by it on April first, twenty twenty one. Okay, I probably won't be bothered by it in 20 years. It'll all be, you know, this will have its own history, but I'm bothered by it now. I'm not, you know, I, I don't like this. I just don't think it was necessary. I don't understand how this helps business or helps the prestige of the title or any of those things. I, I, I don't understand the, the need to do this. So with all of that said, will Will Ospreay become the second 
IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. I just hate fucking saying that. I just hate calling it the next champion, the second champion. It's just bullshit to me. Mm-hmm. It's, I, don't, I, I, I just have yet to hear. I, I just don't understand why. And that's been a thing for New Japan since the end of 2019. And we were assholes for saying it at the time. We didn't understand the title unification thing. And if people want to listen to us, we said at the time, this is weird. I don't like it. Why are they doing this? And people said, oh, come on. It's just for Wrestle Kingdom. Ah, da, 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 da. And I said, I don't like it. I think it's weird. I, I don't like the tournament. I don't like the, you know, there's, there's stuff that bothers me about this. And 2020 was weird as fuck. And this year has, is weird as fuck as well. I just don't get it. I just don't understand why they're doing the things that they're doing. There's just no need for it. And and I don't know. I, it's just a company that's been so protective of their history and so embracing of their history as well. You know, the, the domain name is New Japan 1972. You know what I mean? Like, it's always... Which, which, which for me, at least, is a big part of the appeal. Absolutely. I, and, and and I love that, that you can say, hey, this is this... Com-. You know, a lot of companies have come and gone. People have broken off and made new companies and did all this sort of stuff. And, 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 and But we have been here consistently since 1972. Antonio Inoki and Noki and, and that's that's always been established. And that's always been something that they have hit over the head. And they've done a tremendous job of doing is embracing their history, not running from it. And and saying this is what it was, warts and all. There's been some warts along the way, but we've emerged from that, and we're now the the leader in Japan, and we're we're the most consistent company, and now we're a mega power in Japan. They're so far ahead of everybody else in Japan. It's not even funny at this point. This is not the time when you fuck around and, and change everything, but they decided that they're going to, and I just I don't know. I I just don't get it. And you're right. It absolutely it, it hurts the appeal for me because I am somebody that loves sports and wrestling history, and 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 this is just to me a slap in the face of that history. So you know, I see in the chat room people saying they've been clear that this new title encompasses the history of oh, both of the other fuck titles. Off. They can tell me whatever they want. It doesn't. I'm on their fucking it Wikipedia. Doesn't. I'm on a Wikipedia yeah, right now. It says IWGP World Heavyweight Championship won Kotobushi March 4th, 2021. The next guy that beats Kotobushi will be the second. IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. It is not the same title. It can't be. And they can tell me that all they want, but to me, it doesn't. It just doesn't. Also, no that doesn't work. That, like, that doesn't work, saying, oh, well, it, it encompasses the, li- the lineage of both the World Heavyweight and the IC title. Yeah, no. so what do you tell me? Are you telling me Hiroki Goto is on the same yes, level? Yes, MVP. As MVP. Inoki? They're going to show the video, and MVP is going to be there. It's going to be Antonio Inoki. Not, <laughs> yeah. All, then, all these people are on the same level because right. we're. No, well, it's Sambra, not. Sambra, Antonio Inoki, Tatsumi Fujinami. <laughs> when they play the video, it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, and it's just fucking, not. Yeah, they can try to sell that. I'm not buying it. Right. They could try to sell that all they want. I am not buying it. Which is but, not. Um, it's not. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's quite literally not. If he's the first champion, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, just, it's just not. You can't, you just, I, you can't I, do it. So, you know, I'm sorry. Like, that's not how it works. <laughs> you can say it, but it's not how it works. They can say it all they want. It's, it's bullshit. You know, it's, it's no one's going to view it that way. But um, I think we talked about Ibushi. Uh, Osprey match last week or the week before, so we really don't have to get too deep into it. I my stance remains the same. I think Abushi will win, but I do not think this is a. I think it's seventy five twenty five. I think there's a one in four shot that Will Osprey wins. Um, I I don't know that they'll have Abushi lose this new title this quickly. That's one thing that gives me pause. The other thing that gives me pause is, I think. Um, Osprey can lose this and not really lose much of his momentum at all. It's his first challenge for this title, so it's perfectly okay for him to lose. But the but on the other side, they love to give these heels a quickie run to establish themselves yep. 
mm-hmm. as championship worthy. You've seen it with Jay White and Tetsuya Naito and AJ Styles, and I might even be forgetting somebody. Okada, if you really want to take it all the way back to 2012. They love to give these guys the quickie title run, a short one. They lose it in their first or second defense, usually their first defense, just to say, okay, and then in your mind as a fan, this guy's championship caliber. That's the argument for Willow Spray. But uh, I still think Ibushi wins this. What do you think? And then we'll take a quick look at the other stuff. I, I am more and more leaning towards Osprey winning this thing and okay. winning the title here. Because okay. for the reasons that you mentioned, for the reasons last week, the reasons you do the big angle with Bia, you, 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 with B, you do the big angles. That, the way he's talked, the way he's kind of carried himself, the way that this new title's been rolled out, the way that Ibushi's been the champion, just everything kind of to me. And, 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 and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they've, they've gotten me. They've hooked me, at least in that sense. But I totally buy Will winning this thing. And, and like you said, for the reason that you mentioned is that that one win, he can hold it until... The next dome show, you know, whatever they do, their 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 next dome shows, the next fucking fucking five dome shows or whatever the hell they're doing oh, well, this year, like next week. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? The next one that everyone's gonna pretend is a real yeah. dome show, even though it's not a real Which dome show. Yeah. yeah, but uh, no, that that like th- it seems right for like he wins this, Abushi gets that rematch, then he wins, you know, wins it back. Yeah, they do this all the time with the guys getting the one or two month title reign, and this is a great time to do it as well, especially with this new title, especially with everything going on. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm okay with him winning this title and I think he's going to do it. So I don't know. I, I might be listen, wrong, but but I'm, we'll see. I'm, I'm fine with him winning the title too. I just don't think they're gonna do it here. I just think Ibushi retains. Because that's a lot of pomp and circumstance to put into Kota Ibushi. This was his idea to combine <laughs> these fucking things. Well I, I think the, that that even adds a little bit more heat to it, doesn't it? I guess. I mean look again, I think Will has a chance. You're leaning Will, I'm leaning Ibushi. Um I, I don't think either call is a bad call. I'm I wouldn't be disappointed with either call. We'll see how it goes. I know the match is going to fucking rule. I also know that they sucked all of the juice out of this with the dumb (laughs) angle. Yes. And no one's really talking about it. But I think once they hit the ring and they go out there and have what's inevitably going to be a match of the year level contender match that, you know, a lot of people will put that, not everybody, but a lot of people will put that angle in the rear view unless it plays into the match. Unless B Priestley struts down to the ring. <laughs> With Kodobushi. Kodobushi gets in the ring and goes, ah, I'm not alone. I have a manager. <laughs> well, I mean, and then fucks him over. I mean, that's yeah. the, you know, but she'd have to hustle back from her, you know, start a match or whatever she's doing that night. So, um, Desperado and Kanemaru are going to lose the junior titles to Rapongi 3K. Yep. I really hope that isn't the case, and I hope they just do an angle and break up this fucking team. Yeah, I hope they lose and then but, shows like, oh, sorry, man, and then Yo just beats you know beats the hell out of him or whatever and establishes something there. That'd be that'd be yeah that that I think it's desperately needed for this team. I I would hate it for both these guys' careers if they just come back and win the titles and they're just like back to normal. Hey, Rapongi 3K. Let's how go. can yeah. anyone be excited about a Rapongi 3K <laughs> tag title run at this point? Okay, off the top of your head, how many titles do you how many times do you think they've won these titles? I'm actually four? gonna look it up as well. Let's see. Okay, so you have it at four. Yeah, they win them every fucking January <laughs> after they win the Super Junior Tag League. Right, right. And then they lose them and then they win the Super Junior Tag League and then they win the titles. So you're you're saying this one will be their fourth or this This will be number four. I think they have it three times. Uh five. This will be their fifth, actually. Those will be okay. All right. So, you know, who really wants to see that? But here's the thing. The chicks dig them. They want to sell their pervy fucking photo books and all that bullshit. <laughs> so they're going to fucking keep them together. I mean, you know, and it's a shame. I think it's time for both guys to move on and do something else, but we're not going to get that. Um, 
And then the other intriguing thing on this show is the mystery partner for United Empire. Who's that going to be? No one's really pinned it down yet. Um, and they're facing, you know, Naito, Sonata, and Takagi. So it has to be someone that's a major. That's going to be a major player because there's no, there's no loss. There's no like uh, loss post on that team. There's no pin eater. Right, right. So, it'd be it'd be stupid to have this guy debut and then you know Shingo pins Cobb or whatever. You know what I mean? Or yeah, that that yeah. So that guy's got to probably get the pinfall and he's got to pin one of Naito, Sonata, or Shingo. So yeah, that's a big fucking deal. And maybe move into a feud with whoever he beats. You know, like maybe the guy comes in and beats Naito and then Naito has a series of matches with him or something. I don't know, but um, I'm curious who they add to the mix there, and then. Uh, I guess everything else is just tags. Do we really need to go over? No. We, we got some other stuff to no, talk about. No. We don't need to waste the time. That's Sakura Genesis. You really want a breakdown of uh, Dookie in a six-man tag. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You're not going to get it from me. Um, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates... It's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah, you can open it and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, Hey, look at some random cards, or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with arena club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network so we got about 15 minutes left 
for the White Sox first pitch at 9.05 Central. So we'll stay in Japan. And what do we got left? We got Dragon Gate, DDT, and then the MCW gimmick, right? Correct. That's yep. everything we got. Mm-hmm. We could do this because uh, Dragon Gate, I only there's only really two matches here from the Dragon Gate Memorial Gate. Well, I guess that's not true. I guess there's a couple. But let's just start with the main event. Uh, Shun Skywalker defeats Cosmo Sakamoto. Yes, I stayed up until 4 in the morning to watch a Cosmo Sakamoto match live. That was something I really did. And I'm glad I did. This you were fucking- rewarded. Yeah, you were rewarded. This match fucking ruled. I thought this was the best Dragon Gate match of the year to this point. That's how much I loved this fucking match. Wow. Hold and on. Thought- okay. All right. Well, that, hmm. I got to think. Me G- give me a minute stand. to think, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I thought it was better than Shun's last defense against Ashido, which everybody loved. And I, and I liked it too. Because I, and, and, and I thought Kazuma Sakamoto really was the star of this match. He was phenomenal. This was, and I don't mean this, a lot of times when people say this, they mean it in a demeaning way. But this was such a professional performance. I mean, this was just a classic style world title match with the heel beating down the baby face, taking him to the limit. Nobody really believed he could win, right? But uh, there were moments, flashes, where you're suspending your disbelief. I thought Kazuma Sakamoto's performance was so great here. I thought Shun Skywalker's selling was phenomenal here. I thought uh, when Shun made his comeback at the end and, uh, and, and Cosmo was on the ropes and he was selling that he was – just Sakamoto blew me away with his performance in this match as a challenger for this title. And I thought this was overall the best match in Dragon Gate this year. And uh, it wasn't a Dragon Gate-style, typical Dragon Gate-style match at all. This was a U.S.-North American-style world title match. Cosmos' performance was outstanding. And then, uh, obviously, Shun was very good, too. But Sakamoto just stood out to me, blew me away. I thought he was great. And, uh, you know, it was way better, way better than I thought it was going to be. And I didn't think it was going to be terrible, but I didn't think it was going to be this four-and-a-half-star match that I ended up getting. Wow, yeah, you, you loved it. I, and I liked it, too, for, for the record. I, I, I'm looking at my ratings right now. I have it as the, my third favorite Dragon Gate match of the year. I had Kaito Ishida and Shun Skywalker as number one. Uh, or, sorry, number two. And then BB Hulk and Kai versus Jason Lee and Kota Minora uh, from the uh, January Open the New Year Gate, I believe, uh, show uh, from January 12th. That is my number one uh, Dragon Gate match of the year. But, uh, yeah, no, this is – I initially kind of eye-rolled this thing. Uh, Case Lowe wrote a great article on our website about how, you know, or, or, or Mike Spears wrote this one uh, this week about how important this match was and how interesting this match was. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Okay, yeah, Kazuma Sakamoto. I'm not interested in Kazuma Sakamoto. You know what I mean? I think he's garbage. I think he stinks. I'm not going to, you know, barely going to watch this match or, yeah, I'll watch it if people say it's good. And then I woke up to you screaming about it, everybody screaming about it. First thing I watched that next morning, I went and watched this match and I was blown away how good Kazuma Sakamoto was. I had to eat a lot of shit. After talking, after I've been bad mouthing this guy for years about how I don't want to see him in Dragon Gate. I think he's worthless. Fire the guy, get rid of him, take him away. He does nothing for me. And and I had to ID Crow because he was awesome in this match. This was so good. And this is the story that Dragon Gate tells so much better than just about every other company. The guy that you know has no chance of winning. How often do we see this match where 
you know, Susumu was in there, and we know that Susumu was not going to win the fucking title, but God damn it, if 10 minutes in, that guy doesn't have you just rooting and hollering and going, God damn it, I hope he wins this match. God, I hope he does it. Dragon Gate does this so well, and yeah, they, they did it again here. There was no, 0% chance that Kazuo Sakamoto was going to win this match, but God damn it, if you weren't buying into that, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, and hoping and praying and, and just you know, living and dying by every single one of these near falls. So I, I'm with you. I thought he was awesome in this match, and shooting a real professional performance by him, too. He's really kind of coming into his own, so uh, a shockingly great Dragon Gate main event. There was one spot where where, where Sakamoto did a running knee uh, to Shun, who was tangled in the ropes on the hard cam side, because it was really, it was a single cam show. And the way that Shun sold that knee, <laughs> he, just, he flopped outside it like his body fell out out of between the bottom and and middle rope, mm. and his head snapped back. And at that point, I was standing and pacing. I, <laughs> They're going to do it. The cops was going to do it. <laughs> Not even that, just how great yeah, the work yeah. was. I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it here. This match had such great work and such great structure. And it was a simple structure. They didn't try to reinvent the wheel. No. This is the kind of match that I would recommend to a wrestling school. I would show wrestling students this match. How to work as a heel. How to work as a baby face and how to sell. The whole comeback stretch of the match. And how to finish off a match like this. This is the kind of match that I think, uh, if I were a wrestling instructor, I would recommend to my students. I would have this on VHS ready to pop in the VCR for these people to study. This was a study-worthy match in terms of how well both of these guys wrestled, in particular Sakamoto. Especially, uh, and especially so, again, I, I, I stated again, with the idea that there is no chance in hell, everybody in the arena knows, everybody watching knows, that Kazuo Sakamoto is not going to win. And that is an important story to tell as well, because I think a lot of wrestlers do struggle with like, well, if I'm clearly the underdog, you know, how, how can I get people invested? How can I get people do it? And that, again, another great example to show this. Hey, look, and by the way, nobody thinks this one guy is going to win this match and he's clearly not going to win this match, but he's still because he's so damn good and because he wrestles so well, you, you buy into it and you, you still buy into every single near fall and, and, and think, oh, my God, he might do it. And, and, and I think that's super, super important to teach to wrestlers as well. So Hip Hop Kakuda beat Ben K earlier in the show, and everyone was kind of scratching their heads like, what the fuck? Why did he win? Like, really and, beat him, and, too. No no interference, nothing. Just uh, fucking just him. one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Yeah, beat his ass. And then, of course, he reveals himself as the next challenger when Shun is, you know, doing his celebratory, you know, thing after his win. Uh, Kakuda attacks him, and then it's like, oh, we're all stupid. Of course he beat Ben K because they're setting him up to be the next challenger. So now the match with Kakuda and Ben K was nothing special. Um, you know, this guy's like a year in and I don't think Ben K is a great wrestler. I think Ben K has great presence and I think Ben K is a really good wrestler, but I don't think of Ben K as like an upper echelon, mark this guy down for the notebook kind of wrestler. That's not who he is. No, no. And he's definitely a guy I think that especially at this point in his career, which is still very, very young as well, is a guy that if he's in there with a tremendous wrestler, he can get to that level. But when he's in there against a guy like Kakuda, who's still a year in or whatever, Ben K is not going to make the, you know, he's not going to carry this match and say, all right, kid, let's go out there and, and, and blow the doors off. And that's not really his style either. That's, I don't know if that's ever going to really be his style as well. He's not Masato Yoshino. He's not Shima. You know what I mean? He's definitely not one of those guys. So, um, he can have great matches, but I don't right, think right. He's- yeah, so he's not I a machine mean, like those other guys that you know. You could put you could put Shingo right. and, and and Yoshino and Shima and all these guys into basically any match, and they're going to make it fucking incredible because they're just that good. He's not that kind of guy, and that's fine. That, that's okay. So Kakuto get his first Dreamgate shot, and that'll be very similar to the Yoshida match we talked about a few weeks ago, where it's like we're laying the foundation and building stories for this new generation of Dragon Gate stars. 
So he gets his first title shot. He'll be next up. And, um, and you I know, did that see, was... real quick, not to interrupt, but I did see a lot of people say, oh, my God, Ben K. Oh, what, what are they doing with Ben K? What are they doing with Ben K? That's Dragon Gate booking. Be okay with that. Yes. Sometimes guys just lose. And they go into the back door for a little while, and Ben K will do something for a little bit. But when they're ready to fire him up again, he'll get a big win, a big win, a big win. Then he'll get a, a Dreamgate match, and, and it'll be just fine. So <laughs> they're Don't not done ben with K. Ben K. They're not bored of Ben K and deciding, ah, this no. kid's got nothing. You know, it's just it's Kakuta's time right now, so he moves yeah. up. But they do it by clean wins. They, they that's how they book, and it's worked for them for about twenty years. Well, so well, semi clean semi clean This one was. Yeah, I mean, this correct. when they want to really establish you though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, Kakuta could easily had Red come in there and help him, and they didn't. They, he he beat him. He he proved to be the better man on that night to get that title shot. Which is why we all should have saw it coming. Like instead of saying, "Oh, why did he win?" We should have been smart <laughs> enough to understand right, right. what was going to happen later in the show. But um, that's the Dragon Gate show. There was a Twin Gate match as well. Mochizuki and uh, Takashi Yoshida. They're still doing that. Um, that hasn't run its course yet. Where uh, Yoshida is with his. Uh, with his, uh, what's the word I'm looking Protégé for? Protege or whatever, his, uh, uh, his, yeah. his, his teacher. Senpai. Yeah. Senpai, Senpai, there you know? we go, yeah. And, uh, yeah, look, Kenichiro Arai getting a shot there. Uh, <laughs> with Kanda. That was a pretty good match. It was fine. You know, it was all right. Um, but I always like seeing Arai. I love that guy. They need to bring back deep drunkers. They I don't do, yes, care what you and, said. Yeah, only two other people in the world want that to happen, but yeah. I might be the only one. But, <laughs> yeah, I think but, you might be the only one left at this point, yeah. I would enjoy deep drunkers. I'm not saying push them. But I would like to have them around. But look, Arai is just going to pop up in certain cities and whatnot. I get it. But uh, oh, that I was my, oh, I got to watch the opener. I didn't know my our guy Garuk and Mask was on this show. Fuck. Yeah, Garuk and Mask. Yeah. God, it's our boy. All right. Damn. I'll have yeah. to watch that opener then. I can't. I can't miss a Garuk. Anytime a Garuk and Mask match hits tape, I kind of have to watch it. Right. There's only like four a year that hit it. I mean, you're not going to have many opportunities. <laughs> That's so. what I mean. So you kind of have to watch it. So I, I will have to go out of my way to watch that one then. Yeah. So, so we, I watched this real quickly. We forgot to mention when we were talking about Ring of Honor the uh, the debut of the new stable, Homicide, Brody King, Dickinson, Deppin. Coming oh in after yeah, the match. yeah, yeah. We completely yeah. did not talk about that. And people in the chat were like, "Uh, you guys gonna mention the new stable?" Well, I'm uh, pretty Dickinson's awesome. Getting a shot. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Deppin fits. That was my thought as I was watching them. <sighs> I don't think he fits. But look, I'll give it a chance. I didn't think Jeff Cobb fit in Empire, and he fits like a glove now that. It says, you know, so who knows? Maybe Deppin will end up work. But uh, my first impression is those other three guys are fucking cool as hell together. And Tony Deppin is like their dorky friend. It, I don't, I don't understand. Will be like, t- yeah, I don't, I don't understand. It's going to be weird to see Homicide, like one of the most, like, no doubt, biggest badasses in wrestling ever. And then like Tony Deppin next to him. You know what I mean? Like, especially, and you're right. Those yeah. guys all kind of breathe fire and breathe smoke. It's Brody King looks like a million bucks. And Chris Dickinson like, looks like, looks like he'll kill you. And Homicide looks like he's going to stab you. And then there's Tony Deppin, like the wrestler guy next to him. So I, I'm with you. Yeah. It is a little weird, but, but I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wait and see. Uh, I'll, I'll at least give it, I'll give it a chance before I immediately uh, say, but I, I'm with you. I think as a three man unit, I'd be like, oh, these guys all fucking work. This is perfect. But um, I'll, I'll give it a chance at least. I'll, I'll give it a chance. All right, so I watched the main event from this DDT show, this uh, 24th anniversary. Do these promotions just have anniversaries like every other? Like, I, feel <laughs> I was like, going to say, it seems like a lot of anniversaries lately. <laughs> but um, main event was Junakiyama defending against uh, uh, Kazusada Higuchi. So I was like, I'm going to watch this. I don't watch a ton of DDT these days. But with those two guys, I'm going to check that out. So I watched this main event. Now, Rich, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Okay. Would you consider me a selling fetishist? I would not. Okay. 
Because we just talked um, about a match earlier that you liked with Bandito and Ray Horos and Flamita, where they didn't they didn't go on the mat for more than two seconds without getting up and doing something else after that. So no, I do not. Am I hard to please when it comes to limb selling? Uh, no, not really. You want a little bit of a little bit of reference to it, but yeah, you don't need to be limping and 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 dying from your your leg being hurt. So no. Right. You've been doing shows with me for nine years, and you have a really good feel for me because those are both the exact answers I would have given for myself. I'm not hard to please when it comes to limb selling. I'm hardly a selling fetishist. I've enjoyed many matches where the participants may not have uh, done a classic job of selling. But I have to tell you, with all of that said, this match bugged the shit out of me. The story of this match was Junakiyama torturing this man's right arm. Not the left arm, because that's important. Torturing this man's right arm. Using all of his old man tricks and holds, and beating Higuchi's arm to a pulp to counter Higuchi's, you know, chops and his lariats and everything. The idea was he was going to weaken down this man's right arm, and he worked it for the entire duration of this match, right? So towards the end of this bout, and it was well worked, and I did like it, okay? I did like the match, but this is what bugged me. Higuchi goes on his final flurry, and he just throws about 20 of the most hellacious chops you'll ever see with the right arm that was just worked over for the entirety of the match. Doesn't bother to even do some token, let me shake it out. You know that gimmick where they'll, they'll give a chop and then maybe shake the arm out? Like, ah, you know, it, it's really sell the idea that, okay, my arm is damaged, but it's an important weapon of mine. And I'm going to fight through the pain and hit these chops anyway. None of that. Just 20 of the hardest chops, shotgun chops, loud as hell, which would have been cool as fuck had Akiyama not been working over his arm for the entire match. It was the entire point of the match was him working over this man's right arm. And then he just gets up, completely ignores it, throws no less than 20 shotgun chops, and then hits a gigantic lariat again with the right arm. I had major problems with this because they made me feel like the rest of the match was pointless. And again, am I a selling fetishist, Rich Krage? No. Do I normally harp on this stuff? No. Am I hard to please? Do I just ask for a modicum of <laughs> just shake out? Oh, I'm not. I don't ask for the world. Right, right, right. You, you, we have think. we have always maintained the stance that even if your knee is getting worked over, you can you can do stuff with your knee. It doesn't have to completely yes. be incapacitated. But goddamn, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a high knee after your knee's been you know, hurt, then at least get down and go. Ah, fuck! I shouldn't have done that. That hurt a lot. And kind of shake it out. Give it a little slap or whatever, and then maybe do something else with it. And always use it as a as a, as, a, as a tool to say, ah, fuck, that really hurt. Or yeah, when you're doing the chop, look back down at your arm and go, I shouldn't do that, but I have to do it. That's my move. You know what I mean? I gotta do it. But God, that hurt. But yeah, no, that you are not a, a fetishist at any point for that. So now look, best case scenario, he does all that shit with his left arm. Don't use the arm. That is the entire story of the match. Or if you can't do those things with your left arm, have a little chat with the Hall of Famer before you guys get out there and say, hey, look, maybe work over my left so that I can come back with my right since that's my dominant side. Or if Akiyama's like, no, bro, I'm going to work the right side because that's your weapon and that's the story I want to tell. You need to think of something else to do on your comeback than attack the man with the right arm like nothing was done to it for the rest of the match. And I normally hate when people go on these kinds of rants, okay? But this one bothered me. He didn't acknowledge it 
at all. It was as if nothing happened to his right arm during the first two-thirds of this match in the final third of this match. He completely ignored everything. He just hit those chops and hit that lariat and just moved on with his business and got his little near fall. He didn't shake it out. He didn't roll around on the ground in pain. He didn't act like those... Uh, strikes were less effective because the arm had been worked on during the bout. Akiyama sold them like he was dead. It bothered me. Okay, It didn't completely ruin the match for me, but it definitely took the match down a peg from this match was fucking awesome to this match was pretty good, but that had a major fucking flaw. I couldn't overlook it, and I'm someone who just asked for a modicum of effort. A modicum of effort. That's all I asked for. I'm not one of these people that thinks if a leg has been worked over, you're supposed to fucking not be able to walk anymore because there's people out there who, who think that way. I'm not one of them, okay? But this was egregious. This was one of the most egregious examples of completely ignoring a limb that I've seen. This was like, I can't even come up with another example. I mean, shit. And it totally took the match down a full notch for me. And it bothered me. And Akiyama ended up winning anyway, but... Man, I just wanted to defend my stance on that because, uh, you know, I saw some people saying it wasn't that bad and they've seen worse. I don't know. I this To me, this was really bad. And uh, this was the kind of match where if I'm Akiyama, I get in the back with Higuchi and I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, cut that shit out. Like, <laughs> right. You, yeah. make, you make Akiyama look like he, 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 his limb work sucks. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't know what yeah. he's doing type stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. So anyway, I know you didn't see the match. Sounds infuriating. But, uh, yeah, it sounds pretty infuriating. So. Look, you made a look. If you watched it, you made, look. A lot of people had a different take. It bothered me, and if it bothered me, it was probably pretty. Uh, well, bad, sometimes just sometimes you just get a bug up your ass. You know what I mean? Like, and and I mean this in the best way. Like, I watch a match, yeah. and sometimes the dumbest thing just annoys the hell out of me, and it just completely ruins it. And I'm just the entire time going, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you let it go. Sometimes it doesn't bother you, and then sometimes it really drives home, and you just kind of yeah, you get annoyed. You're, you're about totally it. right about that, but it's usually with guys that you don't want to like. I like both of these yes, guys. Right, right, right. Maybe so that, that maybe that was part of it is that you were upset you were dis- you're not mad you're disappointed. Well, I got to tell you Dino came out for a title challenge so that's that's enough DDT for me. You know, I'm I'm back out on DDT when uh Dan Shiku Dino comes out to challenge Akiyama. <laughs> oh god. Uh, <laughs> what? No. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. Oh, so god. he's the next challenge. What? So I, I will once again go back to ignoring <laughs> DDT. But yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, it was a good run. Well, hey, that was a fun week. Look, so. their fans like them. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? It's like, look, that's fine. But I, you know, it's it's not for me. But uh, anyway, that was Akiyama Haguchi. You want to push MCW to next week again or what? Oh, I feel uh, bad. I feel bad for those guys. It's OK. Let's go. Let's go five minutes on, on this MCW show. We, we deserve we deserve it to them. Yeah. OK. I mean, I'd be happy to do it next week if you wanted to go watch your game. But no, uh, no, no, it's fine. I can I can. I can miss. Uh, there'll be the pop and circumstance, and the guys will come out and do their shake, your handshakes and shit. So I think I think I'm all right. So well, Larusa's out there arguing about something already. Oh, so perfect. All right, yeah, we got time. We got time. <laughs> so, he's like looking at the lineup card. And oh, like, Jesus. I don't know. They got the lineup cards. He's like jawing at the ump. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Jesus. Um. <laughs> so who knows? But here come now. The angels are coming on the field. So I think they've settled whatever. No, he's still out there, Larusa. I don't know what he's doing. He, he's he's stalling um, for me. Thanks, thanks, Tony. First uh, first uh, thing he's doing here. So. Uh, so this MCW show, I didn't think it was as good as what was the last one called? The one that uh, we saw was Homecoming, I believe, right? Wasn't that MCW Homecoming? But the great main event, Adam Brooks and Slex, comma the business, um, because that had the great main event. But this was an easy watch. I liked almost every match. I didn't have much use for the 
uh, Lockie Hendricks and Cracker Jack thing with the Legends contract. I, you know, that I didn't have any use for. But everything else I pretty much liked on the show. Uh, there wasn't any great matches here, but there was a bunch of good ones. And the one thing about uh, Melbourne City Wrestling is I think the production is excellent. Yep. Um, especially by indie standards. It's well booked. I might not like all the things that they book, but there's effort put into the booking. Nothing happens on these shows that doesn't matter. They don't just ever throw two guys out there to have a fucking match that does not fucking matter. Okay, it's well booked from that perspective. And you watch a couple of these shows, and last year was the same thing. I know it was a different booking regime then than it is now. But last year, we really got into this company, and then COVID happened. And now this year, I'm back in because it's well booked. They book show to show. They book match to match. They've gotten some of the personalities over with me. And um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It was it was a fun, easy watch. I don't know how long it was, but it felt like a breeze. Yeah, I think it was only about two hours. And, and their shows have been kind of around that, that that range, too, two, two and a half hours max, which is is definitely a, a good thing. Um, I think and, and you hit the nail on the head there. The thing that's cool about watching MCW right now is I'm still I'm still new to a lot of the wrestlers. I'm still new to a lot of the characters, and a lot of the personalities or whatever. And this is that stuff where, like, you know, we always hear people that say, oh, I don't understand it. So my friend turns into a corn cob because he doesn't understand what's going on. Like, I love not understanding everything. I love jumping into a company and going, hey, you know, let me let me learn about the Brat Pack a little bit. Let me find out a little bit more about the velocities or whatever. Like, I know some of the names. I don't really know their characters all that much. I don't really know exactly what they do or exactly what they are in the ring or whatever. But that discovery is really fun and really interesting. So when you have this discovery of, of new talents that you've maybe only seen a little bit or, or you're not totally familiar with, you can couple that with great production values, pretty good announcing, and then crowds that make noise, Joe. They're they're in this arena and they make noise. And it's just like, yes, wrestling. This is what it used to be like. It's you know, we talked about it during opening day today. It's such a difference to actually hear crowds make noises or whatever. And I'm getting that from MCW. I'm like, you know, this almost feels like a normal, you know, wrestling company. So to me, it's awesome because it's it it finally gives me an opportunity to just kind of sit down, watch two and a half hours of wrestling. Everything that's going to happen in these two and a half hours is going to make sense or at least have a reason or have a purpose. Everybody that wins is winning for a reason. Everybody that loses is losing for a reason. Everybody that debuts, everybody that wins, you know, everything matters in this company, which is really cool. And yeah, it's just, it's fun to kind of discover new talents, discover new stories, and discover a company that I've never really had the opportunity to kind of sit down and and and, and learn and, and and study and and really become, you know, keenly aware of. And that's fun. I love that discovery period of wrestling. And I get that so rarely these days, as, as you know, especially doing the show where we're just obsessed with watching as much as we can and covering as much as we can. Very rarely do I sit down and watch a show where I don't know, like, half the people on the show or, 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 or whatnot. And I'm getting that right now with MCW, and I really, really enjoy it. And, and like you said, it helps that I'm not just watching matches to watch matches. Everything I'm watching matters and there's a purpose and there's a reason behind it and the announcers are getting stories over well and the production values are good so it looks good it sounds good. It's just good. It's good shit and it's it's a very easy watch. It's a breeze. It flies by and uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff I really like about MCW so I, I'm st- I mean as long as they keep running this year 2021, I'm watching them. Every event that, that, that comes out that's available to watch I'm in. Uh, I, I, I'm ready to take in this company and really really become a fan of it. A good example is this Rocky Monero. He beats Royce Chambers, right? And the announcers put over very strong this idea that Royce Chambers goes out there on all of these shows and he wrestles well and he gives it his all, but he just never wins. And you have Chambers after the match, after he loses, just sitting there with this look on his face and he's shaking his head. Because the story is, when is this guy 
going to live up to his potential and get on a roll and start winning some matches. They're not reinventing the wheel with that story. You know, eventually he's going to go on a winning streak or something or, you know, they'll do, but there's some investment. It's not just Rocky Monero and Royce Chambers in an isolated match where, that you're going to forget about five minutes later because it doesn't mean anything. Because it's just, oh, let's put these two guys together because whatever the fuck. No, there's a little story there. Chambers loses again. When's this guy going to start winning some matches? That's all it takes to get me interested. Right, and, and I think they did a good job in that in that, that Chambers story as well, talking about, hey, this is a guy you know who went to DDT, he's went and done stuff around the world, but maybe he's getting a little too big for his, his, his own head. Maybe he's a little bit more, he thinks he's a bigger star right now than he really is. And they don't mean that in a demeaning way, they just mean like, well, he's got to kind of prove it here in his home, you know, <laughs> his home country. Like, he, you know, he talks a big game and he looks a big game and he looks like a star and he, he, he is a star. But he's got to start winning these matches here. You, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you don't do it in the big spots. And, and that's a cool story to tell because, yeah, eventually he's going to go on that win streak, like you said. And it's going to make that investment in, in, in him seeing him lose a few times that much more important and that much more worth it. You know, one thing I want to say about him, too, is we've seen him in scrambles. We've seen him with other flippy do guys. But I think his best work has been against guys like this Rocky Monero versus Danny Psycho, guys that are bigger than him where he gets a chance to bump and sell and get thrown around and make babyface comebacks and have a big guy to sort of, uh, you know, bounce off of. And that, that's when he looks his best. And you know damn well when the world opens up and, and people start booking this guy all over the world because he was on the verge of breaking out when the world shut down. Uh, you know, the instinct is going to be to throw him in a scramble. Yeah, six-man scramble, do a bunch of shit, kid. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Put him in with another flippy do guy. I think he really shines in situations like this. My two favorite Royce Chambers matches I've ever seen were the Danny Psycho match, which I thought was phenomenal, and this match against Monero, which I thought told a great story. And I really think he's at his best against larger opponents. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this you know we won't go through every match, but they have a lot of uh, like you've got the Brat Pack and the Velocities and the Natural Classics. You know, some of the best teams in Australia and in some cases teams that have started to make a, a mark. You know, the Velocities were, were, were getting PWG bookings before things shut down. And we've seen uh, uh, the Natural Classics on, on New Japan adjacent shows, you know, in Australia and, and, and elsewhere. And, and so they have a nice little tag division here, too, that, that they've put together. You had the tag title match to open the show with the Brat Pack defending their titles against the Velocities, and then the Natural Classics win the number one contender match you know, uh, later on in the show. So now we've got the Brat Pack and the Natural Classics headed for a title match at some point. So again, very well booked and not like reinventing the wheel and trying to get too tricky with it. You know, uh, it just uh, very simple stories to help keep your investment. So I thought Slex and Mick, Mick, uh, Mick Moretti was probably the best match on the show. I don't know where you stand on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think that I think that works. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, Slex, of course, he'll get work here until you know he's under Ring of Honor contract. Obviously, you know, look at the world. Uh, eventually, he'll be back there. But until then, you know, it's good that that this group will continue using him. Um, you know, he lost the title match uh, last month to Adam Brooks, so he's kind of like out of the picture for that. That's fine. He's still a nice uh, talent to have around on the card. And then they did their ballroom brawl gimmick, which is, you know, their version of the Royal Rumble. And, uh, you know, Waterman, Mitch Waterman, half of the, one half of the Brat Pack won it because they did the swerve where 
you know, the Lockie Hendricks guy inserted himself into the match as a surprise. Very WWE style. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't I didn't love that. Did not love that stuff. Love that that kind of sucked. Yeah. So, it's it's, oh, I have the Legends man. contract so I can do whatever I want. And it's like, nah, really? So the guy <laughs> wins the Legends contract earlier in the show by beating this Cracker Jack guy who allegedly is, I don't know anything about him, but I guess he's an Australian deathmatch legend or something. So Hendricks beats him earlier in the show for the Legends contract. And it's supposed to be a 20-man match, this 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 ball, ballroom brawl. And the 20th man comes in or whatever. And then all of a sudden there's a 21st man and it's this Lockie Hendricks guy. And his explanation is, well, I won the Legends contract so I can do what I want. And I've inserted myself into the match. Very sports entertainment style angle. Not a fan. And uh, I guess, you know, the swerve was you then think he's going to win. But then Mitch Waterman ends up winning anyway, which was a weird choice because you have one half of the tag team champions now winning this match, which gives you a title shot for the world title where, and they've already set up Adam Brooks versus Danny psycho, which they did earlier on the show, you know, with, with, with the promo or whatever. So I don't know. That was all a little weird and I'm wasn't a big fan of how they booked that match, but I guess we'll see where it goes, but definitely looking forward to Adam Brooks versus Danny psycho. I was going to bring that up. I mean, that was pretty cool. So Brooks comes out there. He's obviously not on the show or, or they, they decided not to, you know, he's not going to defend the title on this show because they have enough stuff going on here. So Danny psycho, yeah. who we both were super impressed by uh, at homecoming, he had that match against Edward dusk or whatever and, and, and beat him. And he, he looks awesome. He's got a great look. He carried himself really well. He's got that sort of he, he's a big dude. Um, yeah. He comes out here, challenges Adam Brooks. And it was like, just like a perfect, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to prove that I can beat you and I'm going to win that title type stuff. It's just so easy and so simple. And, and yeah, the whole story is that Danny psycho was, you know, used to be a little bit more level headed and is now kind of breaking and he's starting to, you know, and, and there's a really cool story there. And Brooks is just kind of like, all right, well, Hey, you know what? You want the title? Come at it, and I'll beat you, and I'll keep this title. And it's it's so simple and so great. But uh, I, I'm super into that story, and I cannot wait for that match as well. That's going to be tremendous. It should be a great match. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love how Danny Psycho comes out to like My Chemical Romance. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you look at <laughs> if you look at his video, it's all like it's all like stuff from like 2007, where he's like a skinny yeah. little, you know, clearly like a you know a, a emo looking guy, and now he's like older and a little fatter, but a little stronger. He's got he's got some muscle now going too. I, so, no, I think he's kind of jacked. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's he is pretty jacked. Yeah. He's he's uh, but you know, apparently he's a big he's a veteran. He's you know been around for many years on the Australian scene. And uh, I've been impressed with him every time I've seen him. He's obviously new to us. But, uh, yeah, so I think that'll be a great title match. And then I guess I guess this Mitch Waterman has to get a title shot at some point for winning that uh, ballroom brawl. But, look, it doesn't all land. I think they do go a little too heavily into the sports entertainment style stuff for my taste. But there's so much clear effort put into the, the booking. You can tell that it's well thought out. You know, like they had Avery in the commentary booth for the Kellyanne Jessica Troy match, you know, to just add a little juice. Oh, to that. that was Did you? I, I thought that match was really good, actually. It was good. I, and, you know, it's always like you, you watch a lot of American indie and people try to put over and I'm, I'm not naming names or what I'm not gonna do it. But like you see like two women that go in here and just just act, like actually know how to work. You know what I mean? Like actually are really, really good. And that's what this match was. Jessica Troy is awesome. And Kellyanne was really, really good as well. And yeah, Avery on commentary. And it's like three you know women's wrestlers that are awesome. And it's like, you know, people trip over themselves and fall over themselves to. You know, put praise on these people that just don't deserve it yet. And you got someone like a Jessica Troy who's really good, like just a well-rounded, really good-looking offense. And this was just like, yeah, they just beat the hell out of each other for 10 minutes. It was really, really well-worked. Yeah, so, um, you know, good show. It didn't have the great match that Homecoming had, 
but no, yeah, definitely not. You know, it did, didn't have anything peaked that high, but uh, a good show that not only held my interest, but piqued my interest for what's coming next. Even if I didn't love how the ballroom brawl was booked, and I don't really have a much of a use for this Lockie Hendricks guy, but uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier. It's just so nice also to watch wrestling with a real crowd. Mm-hmm. A crowd where there's not, I don't believe there's restrictions. I could be wrong because it looks like it's pretty packed. I think it's good to go. Yeah, I think Australia's good to go. So Very few, like, you know, a, a mask here or there, but fans that are allowed to cheer and be loud and just wrestling with a real crowd. It's like you're entering like a time warp when you watch. It's so weird to watch wrestling with just a full crowd of people who are allowed to behave the way they want to behave because – you know, Australia, or at least that part of Australia has done a decent job with the COVID. So they're a little ahead of the rest of the world. And, and, you know, they're having regular wrestling shows. So that ad, there's no question that adds to it because that's like a novelty right now to have a wrestling show that feels like a wrestling show. So I think that helps a lot too. Absolutely. So that's MCW Ballroom Brawl. It's available on their Vimeo uh, as well. You can also just look up Melbourne uh, City Wrestling. I'll be able to find it as well. But yeah, definitely recommend it. Definitely recommend checking out MCW. Just very easy two, two and a half hour watches uh, with a lot of really good talented. And I, I think another thing too, before we you know get out of here, everybody in MCW looks the part. They look like pro wrestlers. You know what I mean? There's no... You... Right, now look, they're not all major league ready. No, you know, no, it's an no. Indie. Certainly it's not. still an indie. But you're right about that. Like they, they you don't have... Yeah. I, I I totally know. Nobody looks like a dork now. unless they're supposed to look like a dork. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, everyone's got decent looking gear. Everyone's in okay shape. Everyone's trying. Everyone's got good music. The 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 aesthetic. They they nail the aesthetics in this company, and that's so rare these days. Yes. In uh, especially in independent wrestling, it's just nailing the aesthetics, looking good. Both the production of the company and the and and what the wrestlers do when they come to the ring, the way their gear looks, the way they come down to the ring, the music they have, all that stuff. They care about every aspect of that, and that that. I'm a simple man, Joe. That's all I want. All I want you to do is prove that you care because then I will care. And that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And I know uh, the other part of the country, I know that EPW is running right now. And I think those shows are available. And um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, the uh, Adam Brooks selects comma the business match from last month. I think it's on YouTube for free. I think if people want to go watch that. Um, So. Wanted to make mention of that too. Yeah, make sure right now. I'm looking this up. Uh, yeah, MCW full. Yeah, if you look up uh, Slex versus Adam Brooks, it says MCW full match Slex versus Adam Brooks. Uh, three stages of hell on YouTube. Another great idea by Melbourne City Wrestling. Put that match up on YouTube. Get that buzz going. We have screamed about that for years with Indies. When you got a when you got a big match that gets that sort of that, that you think can really do it. I mean, all you have to do is look at progress and 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 how much it helped them in those early days of putting those big matches up on YouTube and and and, and growing from there. So. Um, good on them. And uh, that's it for us. I'm going to watch some White Sox baseball here. So uh, that is it. Obviously, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, WrestleMania randomizer, Thursday TV reviews, all that stuff going on right now uh, at patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Next week, you'll get a lot of content from us. You will get a mega, mega, mega audio preview of WrestleMania weekend uh, with myself and various voices of wrestling contributors that will be up hopefully Tuesday unless something goes wrong but Tuesday is the plan and then you and I we think Wednesday we'll see but we think Wednesday uh, you and I will go live with a, a, a an abbreviated 
quote unquote abbreviated uh, WrestleMania weekend preview as well, where we'll talk about the entire weekend as well as review uh, New Japan Sakura Genesis. So that will be next week. We believe Wednesday, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll clarify that because obviously Thursday things get hot and heavy with Mania weekend. Uh, so probably Wednesday for next week, but we'll let you guys know uh, when we kind of make that official official. But uh, anyway, follow us on Twitter at Voices Wrestling or don't because you probably shouldn't have Twitter, but you should go to voiceswrestling.com slash discord because that's a lot of fun. Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. Support our sponsors, mybookie.ag promo code voices, manscaped.com, promo code flagship. That's it for us.